Hey, welcome to the 302nd, no, 303rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single dingle week. Just re- past recently talked about John Burns' Fantastic Four from the mid-80s. I... Uh, I did an off my mind about why it's so stupid that Alfred Pennyworth is dead. It it doesn't make a better Batman. And uh, last week I I talked about a Superman comic from 1968 where Superman killed his friends. He killed Perry White and Lois Lane and it wasn't on the cover, Jimmy Olsen. Um, I might do another one of those uh, fun Silver Age Superman comics this week. We'll, We'll see. But... If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, what is going on? Um, I don't know how many people are in. I'm assuming you're interested, somewhat interested in some of my personal stuff. I mean, I know you're probably listening like, no, Tony, I don't care about you. I just want to hear the, the content, but... I'm assuming you do care because the content is kind of kind of influenced with my my thoughts on it, right? So so this past week, uh, this was an interesting week for me. So I just to lay this out, where am I at mentally? You know, and and I, I I don't feel like people not everyone talks about like mental health a lot. And I I like never really talk about it because I don't know. I mean, I, I think the stigma is you know, you, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable. And, and I, I always try to be as honest as possible. Like I'm, I'm always mentioning, yeah, this movie made me tear up, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I was, I was crying seeing those little CG squirrel baby or squirrel, raccoon babies. And, you know, there, there's been other times like recently also in my emotions have been like way like off the hook, you know, just recently. And, you know, I mentioned last week how having, uh, graduation, because as you're probably aware, I'm a, I'm a middle school math teacher, so I'm doing that by day and this stuff, like every other breathing moment, uh, you know, when I'm not teaching. And I had a really great group of, of, of kids and, you know, not not all of them, I'm, if I'm being totally honest, uh, but there's just some some really good kids that, I, that I'm, I'm going to miss. And, and, you know, obviously some way more than others. And it's, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying it. I don't think you're listening. If you're listening, you're all my favorite students. But you know who I'm talking about. Or no, maybe you don't know who I'm talking about. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's been, been tough. You know, I, Monday, I had to, Monday and Tuesday, you know, kind of clean up the room, get ready for summer so they can do the cleaning, putting my stuff away and, you know, just having to do report cards. And <laughs> it's, it's so silly, but it's like I was getting emotional again doing like the, report final report card for my my students who are leaving that and some of them you know i I, i'll probably never see them again you know they always say oh we'll stop by that rarely happens and you know some of them i you know they'll they they follow me on instagram and they may you know i'll see they they've watched my insta story or like the post or something like that it's it's just it's such a weird thing that you, you know with my school me you know it's a smaller school and I'm, you know, I'm the only math teacher. So I have these kids for three years and, you know, you going from sixth grade to eighth grade, 
there's a lot that goes by. And these past three years with COVID and everything, and there, it just, it felt like way more than three years. So, you know, you really, I, I come to care about these kids. And some people say, oh, that just makes you a good teacher and everything. But it, it kind of doesn't make it easy. And it's it's just weird because it, it, it kind of goes beyond, you know, I, I can't see doing, you know, feeling like this every single year. And, um, you know, I shouldn't be saying this, but it's it's just, it's been hard. And, you know, like going into school Monday, like driving in there, I'm just like, wow, so here I'm, I'm going there, you know, and normally it's like, I'm going to get so much work done. There's no kids to distract me. There's no, none of that stuff. But this past Monday last week, I was just like, I was kind of like, oh man, this is, this is kind of a bummer. You know, it's just, just it's, it's, it's like, it's going to be boring where yes, sometimes the kids get in the way of me doing my job completely because they're, they're talking or just being, being distracting or whatever. But there is something fun about it, you know, and I tell the kids up straight up as, I, I was like, I promise you, I, I do not, I'm not like obsessed with math. I don't do not go home and just work out math calculations. And, you know, I think I even said I've done them already. You know, I I've done all the math calculations that I need to do, but the, the studying that I had to do is so far beyond anything that I would even teach in high school. But that's just part of the curriculum. I mean, or the, you know, the, the teaching and the preparation, knowing the big picture where things are going. So it, it's just it's weird, you know. And you know, just teaching, it is fun. I would like to, you know, I obviously I joke around with with my my students. I'm not always serious, but sometimes when you joke around with them, it, you know, you give an inch to take a mile or whatever, however, whatever that stupid saying is. So you know, you got to be selective. And and there's there's some classes where. I can't joke around as much because if, you know, the slightest bit, it's a, they go off the rails and, you know, we can't have that. So you need to know, they need to know how to accept the, you know, the tangent and then, okay, we need to pull back and, and focus. We need to get, you know, this is what we need to get done. So it's, it's just hard. And then going there Monday, I was just like, uh, but then it, and this is sound, sounds so silly. A couple students like swung by and it, you know, they were, they were just there for, for a little bit, but it, it really, like it made me happy and it, it warmed my heart that, you know, they took the first day of summer vacation and, and you're swinging by and yeah, so, so it was nice, but now I'm done what, and just trying to catch up with everything. And this has been a crazy week. There's just been so much to, uh, to, to, to watch. So what, what am I going to actually talk about this week after five minutes of, of that I, I could go on about I, I won't go on about about that we got an episode of silo i i love the show and i'm i'm digging the book and and i i, I can't wait um i think well actually i, I get to that later <laughs> i'm almost dipping into the news i'm gonna finish off american born chinese so i got the, the final two episodes so again they all dropped on may 24th and um i i've enjoyed the show it's, it's been a lot of fun and I think it's unfortunate. It's like, I haven't seen like anyone like talk. I don't know if anyone has heard about this or has mentioned this, you know, it's, it's based off the comic by Jean Luen Yang, Yang. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it, had, it has Michelle Yao in it, you know, Academy award winning actress. People should be watching it. It was, it's a, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah. So, but I think part of having all episodes drop at once, I, I think that I really feel like that, that hurts it. But so you, you get the last two, uh, there's a new show, Tom Holland and Amanda Seyfried show on Apple Plus called The Crowded Room. As I record this now, there are, I believe, four episodes out. So three episodes dropped the first week. I think it was the, the 12th. I don't even know the date. Whatever, the, the, the two Fridays ago. 
so I only watched two. Next, I'm going to try to do two next week. So I'll do like three and four next week. And then I should be like that kind of like that half a week behind. Because I think episodes might come out on, on Fridays or something like that. And then um, Black Mirror dropped last Thursday, season six. It feels like it's been forever since Black Mirror has been out. So there are six or I think six episodes, seven, no, five episodes. I think there's five episodes. I'm only going to do two this week. And I, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, this is hard for me, you have no idea. I'm going to try to, like, not be full on, like, spoilers with, with those. Because it just makes things easier for me. And then we got The Flash. Which, uh, spoiler for The Flash, I, I really enjoyed The Flash. So, let's see, um, let's let's get into the, this. And here's the thing, I thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to start working on this podcast early in the week. Nope, I, I did not get any advantage, even though having, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off, it's just, trying to watch everything is just, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. So, with the news, uh, Spider-Verse, you know, I, I still am dying to see that, that movie again. Um, I don't know if I'll go to the theater, but I, I really want to. Apparently, in the next one, there's we're going to get some variants of Gwen Stacy. And I think that's cool. I mean, it makes sense. Why is it all, all Spider-Mans? Because, you know, Gwen Stacy, even though she's Spider-Woman, and we've seen other Spider-Womans, women's, 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 uh, they're, they're not necessarily variants of Spider-Man. So it, it would make sense, you know, to, to see more Gwen Stacy's. And, and I'm totally down with that because I, I, there's something about the character. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I have a daughter. I don't, you know, just, a, you just, you know, I, even though Spider-Gwen could like kick my butt, it's like, I just want to protect her. I want her, you know, I think, I think it's like that, that fatherness in me. Anyways, I, th- I think it's cool. I, I just something with the design, the colors, the per- something with the purple and the white and the blue. Just it just really really pops. And you know, Haley Steinfeld obviously does does a great job voicing bringing the character to life. So uh, we're gonna get more Gwen Stacy, and it's they they said it's sort of plot integral, and they don't really clarify what that means. We'll we'll see. I mean, I'm 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 down for that. There, I think someone also asked Haley Steinfeld is like. How would you would you be interested in you know being a live action Spider Gwen and she's like like yeah you know type of thing and so that 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 could be interesting uh, who, but who knows what they they would go for I I feel like I don't know if they would want to I mean they it would be a smart thing because she knows the character and you know she's got the name recognition the only thing is she's also Kate Bishop but I I mean we're talking multiverse so. I don't. I don't see why it would be a problem. So, um, anyone listening at Sony, cast Haley Steinfeld as, as live action Spider Gwen. I mean, it's it just it's it's like a no brainer. Speaking of DC stuff, so James Gunn. Uh, I mean, there's been so much like Superman talk and everything like that. So James Gunn has said that they are narrowing down on the the Superman casting process, but it doesn't mean that they're close to being done you know there's still a lot that has to go through with it and you know he's he's mentioned that there's been a a lot of stories about out there like you know who's being cast and and stuff like that you know some he says are true some are totally false but he can't comment on those anymore because you know he used to debunk rumors all the time and you know I, i think i mentioned this a couple weeks ago or whatever where now it's almost like people are just throwing things against a wall, trying to see what sticks. And because it's like, okay, this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. And then he'll be like, oh, that, that could be true. So 
it almost feels like people are just making stuff up just to try to get him to deny it. And then, you know, maybe they'll get lucky with, with the made up lucky guess. I, I don't know. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, it, yeah, I don't know where people are getting their information from, but maybe leaks are out there and who knows. Um, what's also interesting that this came out, it's like, wait, this 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 is old news. Not really old, but Andy Muschietti is officially the Brave and the Bold director the, for the next whatever Batman movie, Batman Brave and the Bold, that, that's coming up. So as you may or may not know, you should know, he was a director for The Flash, and I'm, I'm totally down with that. I, I feel like the Flash movie, which I, obviously I will talk about later, there's like so much to it that I would totally be down with this. So I, I, I think it's going to be great. What also may potentially be great, should be great, is Superman and Lois has been renewed. So, you know, we're, we're like waiting. Like, is Superman and Lois going to come back? What's going to happen? And there is kind of some rumblings because, you know, the, the word was, the unofficial word was that the CW wanted to keep at least one, like, superhero show on there. And, you know, there was a possibility of Superman and Lois moving to Max, to the former HBO Max, because of, of the, the cost of it, which I think that would be great. So, you know, it, it made it sound like Gotham Knights is a cheaper show, which maybe it is. So let's move Superman and Lois to Max, keep Gotham Knights... I like Gotham Knights. I know I don't talk about it in the show. I talked about the first episode. I wish I did, but there was just so much to watch. Uh, so I, I may have mentioned this before, and I know I'm kind of getting a little sidetracked, sort of. But Gotham Knights, I, it's it's like my Saturday morning show. You know, there, there's I don't do Saturday morning. There's no Saturday morning cartoons. But basically what I do is I make my big fake breakfast. And by fake, I mean like fake like sausage and fake bacon or whatever. So I'll make my breakfast, and then I, I watch the, the week's episode of Gotham Knights, if there is one. And it is so cheesy and bad. And, and some things is like, what the heck are you doing? But I love the fact that you have Harper Rowe, you have Cole and her brother, you have Stephanie Brown, you have Carrie Kelly, and you and Harvey Dent. I mean, Sasha, what's his name? He, he's such a, a good uh, Harvey Dent. And we have the, the Court of Owls. So you have all this craziness. I don't care about for this Turner Hayes character, but, you know, he's obviously grown on me. You know, he's supposed to be the adoptive son of, of, of Batman. And in fact, Batman is dead. It's like you're doing a Batman show without Batman, which is kind of gutsy. And also, um, you also have Joker's daughter, Dula, um, which is Dula Dent. You know, that was always a weird thing. I, I was, When I first heard the character, I was like, why is she called Joker's daughter, but her last name is Dent? Because that's the same as Harvey Dent. It's like, what's going on? So we have her, her, and so like these these young actors. I mean, they're doing a good job, like making me care about them. And again, maybe it's like my emotional thing, and you know, missing potentially missing high school kids, not I mean, or middle school kids. And but there's something where I'm I'm growing to care about these kids and, and all that. But it's canceled now. <laughs> so Superman and Lois is going to stay on the CW, and Gotham Knights is done, which which is unfortunate. And they, they kind of looked around, like, is it possible to shop it around or anything like that? And they said it's basic, it's virtually impossible for the show to continue. That It's, it's just it's not going to happen. So that that's just a real bummer. And I know a lot of people probably who, if you only watch the first episode, you're probably like, oh, this is so bad. You know, maybe it is a bad show. And, and I, I could be in the minority saying this. But like I said, there's just something 
fun about it. And I, I don't know what it is. It's, and maybe it's because I just watch it and I don't have to like pay close attention. Because when I watch everything else, I have to make sure I can talk about it in depth on, on the show. But when I watch this, I can... I can actually eat. I can just sit back and watch, and I don't have to be like glued to every little you know word or you know thing happening. Oh, like oh wait, look at that in the background. That's gonna happen. That's gonna be a big deal, you know. So, it's it's too bad. Now, while we should be excited about Superman and Lois being renewed, they cut like the entire cast, pretty much. The only people returning are Superman, Lois, and then the two kids, Jonathan and Jordan. All the other actors, so the, Lana, Lana Lang is is cut. Lana, her ex husband, um, their daughter, who Jordan is like obsessed with, like annoyingly obsessed with, um, uh, John Henry Iron Steel, his daughter Nat. It's like they're all all Chrissy Beppo, who works at the Gazette with Lois, and like almost like all these people now, they they like all know the secret. It, it's like they're they're done. I, I think part of what makes the show, I mean, it, it's what's really nice about it is, you know, just the the characterization. It's not just about Superman fighting whatever, whoever the bad guy is. It's seeing how the relationships are. And, and it is like the best CW show. I mean, there's just something about it. It doesn't have that, that cheese factor to it like a lot of the shows have. You know, the other, sh- I'm not putting down the other shows necessarily, but there's just been something about it. And just seeing the interaction with everyone and and seeing like a lot of these stories develop, like is Lana and John Henry are they gonna like get together now that you know Lana is, is you know divorced from her husband? It, you know it's it's building that way, and you just have all these other things. You know Jordan is is still so in love with with, with Lana's daughter, but now they're all gone. So I was just like, wow! It's like you're gonna have a show with just four cast members. They're having bringing. They're gonna, we're, we're gonna see Lex Luthor like very soon. And I think he's going to be a regular. So it's like, is this the entire next season just going to be them dealing with Lex Luthor? If so, that's going to get boring really fast. I don't like when you get these, you know, it feels like the formula like on some of these shows is like, okay, you know, Titans would do this. You know, like I say, with Titans season three to whatever the last, not this past season before, the entire thing was them fighting Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow. And I'm just like, this is just, wait, this is ridiculous. You know, give me like three or four villains or, you know, even a villain, not necessarily a villain of the week. You know, you want to expand it a little more, flesh things out. But if you're just going to do one thing, I mean, and, and that, that's not necessarily what they're going to do. So I don't know. I guess the hopes, the hopes, um, I don't know why I'm saying that plural. The hope is that they can bring the others back in as like recurring characters or like guest stars. But that's going to be subject to their availability and interest. So what I wonder is, you know, obviously they're getting cut. It's like that sucks. You know, they're 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 cast, they're part of the show, but now it's like, sorry, you're losing your job. But you can come back occasionally. You know, no guarantees. And that might be hard because when they they start this, you know, it's not like they're going to have the entire 10 you know episodes mapped out. I mean, they may, they may know when but then things could change and they may cut someone. So it's not like um, just sit by your phone in case you know we're ready for you. And and also, where are they doing production? You know, a lot of these shows, you know, they're up in in Vancouver or whatever. So it's like you're not going to be sitting around there. So you're going to be and you you know you're going to hope to get another gig. And if you get another job, you might not be be able to be available to do you know 
three days of shoot or a week or you know whatever. So that's it's going to be weird and that's unfortunate. And and the other thing I wonder is, is as a series regular, you know, I'm I'm wondering what their pay. You know, you get paid so much, but now if you're bumped to a guest star, are they going to take like whatever you're paying and divide it down, or is there like a lower rate saying, hey, this is the guest star pay? Sorry, you know, take it or leave it. And and I could see it be like, well, thanks, but no thanks. You know, screw you. I don't know. I mean, that it, it, we'll, we'll see. And I just hope that the last seat, that it doesn't like kind of crash and burn. And I think it's only 10 episodes, so it's shorter, which that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, just tell the story that you need. But then that makes me feel like, oh, it's just going to be like a 10-part story. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried. Also, a little worried, it's kind of unfortunate, is uh, Daredevil Born Again and The Penguin, they, they've, the production has been paused on these. Pause indefinitely. It always worries me when you hear indefinitely because that means like, wait, is this like forever? No, it's not forever. But they've been put on pause because of the, the WGA strike. Uh, I guess Daredevil was like three months into production and they were planning like on an eight-month total so what what I wonder, like, what does this mean? And I, I, I totally get the, the need for the, the strike. You know, people should get paid what they deserve. And it shouldn't just be, you know, top execs bringing in all the money while all the hardworking people are, are you know, working and just not getting paid as much. Now, the, the thing is, the corporate ownership is a huge part. You know, you want to do this production on Daredevil – that's got the name recognition. So it's going to be successful. So, you know, you're going to make money. You're going to get, get you know, fame or whatever. Versus you want to do... <laughs> I was going to try to come up with some other rare, rare devil or something. You know, if you want to do a show about some other nameless vigilante that has nothing to do with Marvel or DC or anything in existence, you'd be lucky to even get anyone to, you know, green like this. It's the same thing with writing comics. You know, if, if you write for Marvel, you write for DC, you don't own the characters, but people are, you're going to get so many people to read it versus if you tried launching your own comic, one, it's, the money's going to come out of your pocket. And it could be like the best thing ever. It, maybe no one's going to even get a chance to read it because they might not, not come across it. They, they might not have the opportunity. So... It, it you know it, it goes it makes sense that you know you you work for Disney or DC or Warner you know brother whatever there there's a you know there's that benefit but at the same time why are like a dozen or whoever many board members raking in all this money when they're just sitting around saying yeah let's do this let's cut this let's do that and and I don't know if it's it works that way but we'll have to see so my question is uh, so if I, I mean, I haven't really been following this stuff too closely. You know, I, I'm all in support of you know people getting paid what they should be getting paid. And, you know, maybe I should be looking more into it. But, you know, if this is about the writers, I, see, I don't know if it's just the writers because then there's other people like, well, we're stopping production because we're, we're going to go in solidarity or whatever. What does this mean for all the, like, the hundreds or thousands? You know, how, how many people work on these shows? You know, you look at all those names in the credits do all these people just, they stop getting paid now? You know, does the studio still need to pay them? Because, like, if you're doing lighting on a show, 
and like for Daredevil, if this is eight months, it's like okay, we're gonna we're gonna go from you know this date to this date. There, there's a job. There might be we might need you a little bit longer, you know, a week or two, you know, in case we have any reshoots or anything like that. But here's the gig, boom, from here to here, and you're like, great, awesome. Okay, this will be my salary. This I you know I'll get an apartment here, I'll move here, be close to here, work on this, do this, boom. Then when it's done, I'll get another job, try to line something else up. But now if that's being put on pause and there's no saying how long it's going to be. And I feel like I'm just taking way too long just to talk about this, but this is just my, my brain's wheels spinning. So now it, it's been, how long has it been like a month, if not longer. So are they like not getting paid? And if, if now it's, it's pushing the production further back, that's going to cause lots of problems. And, and I also wonder, it's like, what does this mean for, I mean, I guess, well, even like the actors, you know, the actors, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, they, they tend to make most of the money. Not, not maybe, I don't know. But now if, if you have to do your shoots and your, your, your shooting is being pushed back, then that means you can't get another gig later because you won't be available. Like, let's say you're supposed to be done filming in November. You can't line something up for December because now shooting might go into February. And then the opportunity to do Mission Impossible 18 or something, you know, whatever, you're going to lose that opportunity because you're not available because you're still finishing up this, which you, you're kind of already started getting paid for. You have a contract. I just, I don't understand. And it's just, it's, it's all a mess. And I just wish everyone got paid what they deserved. I don't get paid what I, I deserve. Do I deserve to get paid? I like to think, hope so. Uh, how about Star Wars? James Mangold. So I, this is I'm I'm a little hesitant about this. James Mangold, brilliant, brilliant director. You know, he's done, done a lot of cool movies and everything. So it's, I'm so curious to see what he's going to do with the Star Wars movie. But now apparently, I guess they're saying that his movie is going to be like a Force origin story. So yeah, if you think about that, it's like oh, that that sounds really interesting. So he wants to you know explore how it came to be known, understood, wielded, and harnessed. So fascinating, really cool. I can't help but be worried. It's like if if you're laying down the the ground, like the the true facts and everything like that. One little slip, it's like wait that that's kind of lame. Or wait, really, that's what you're doing? It it, and it all the four started because someone farted on a mystical log, which they would never do that. Uh, but this is James Mangold, so I, you know we have to have faith, <laughs> and hopefully, there's no farting in Star Wars. Just like there's no crying in baseball, right? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Speaking of delays and and stuff, El Muerto. <laughs> I barely remember this character in the Spider Man. I know I've read it. I know may actually I don't even know if I own a comic anymore. So Bad Bunny, who who was who was I like I liked him in Bullet Train. Yeah, I and he sings a song on uh, the Gorillas album, which which I like. I don't know any of his other stuff. I'm sure I've heard of some of his other music, but I, I couldn't tell you. Um, so he's doing this El Muerto, which is a Spider Man's quote unquote spinoff. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face that they're making a movie in this character that that probably like no one has heard of outside of maybe like the. Uh, a thousand you know, no I'm sure more than a thousand people have read his comic the comics that he was in whatever you know some minuscule amount compared to the number of people who actually go to movies they're making a movie about this guy and uh, 
the so it's it's been delayed and stuff like that. So it has a, supposedly a new production start date. It's going to start on August seventh. The movie was supposed to come out in January twenty twenty four. Sony hasn't changed that yet. But if you're starting in August, could they be done by January? I would think probably not. But we'll see. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. So in case you're not sure who El Muerto is. He basically gets his powers from this this luchador mask. It's been like passed on generation to generation. So you put this on, you get like strength and whatever. And <laughs> just I don't know, but whatever you know, it, it appeals to different people, and it could be cool. We'll, we'll see. Also, Venom has a release date. They're they're looking at uh, October twenty twenty four, which I think is around the same time that the the Joker. Days Folly, whatever movies coming out. See that that's going back to James Mangold thing. You can't do a movie about Joker and have his origin. It is yeah, that is not Arthur Fleck is not the Joker. Don't get me don't get me started on that. So so Venom three might be coming around the same time because I think Joker is like October fourth or something. But maybe they'll 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 probably would do it like a couple weeks before Halloween around Halloween time, but not actually on Halloween. We'll see. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, then there is a, I guess someone asked Jennifer Lawrence, hey, so would you ever be interested in, in being Katniss Everdeen again? Would you ever like want to go to the Hunger Games? And this, this is always a scary, when I when I saw this this article, I was just like, oh man, because I, those movies were, were great. The books were great. You know, for say what you will, whatever. But there, I really enjoyed those, and and maybe because my daughter was so into the books and, and the movies and everything like that. And you know, I recently bought the the 4K box set, which is really cool. And I realized I haven't watched. I started rewatching. I haven't watched the last two. I should do that. So you got this, you know, really great story. You know, strong female character. And I know some people, and you know who I'm talking about. Some people don't like the strong female characters, which is ridiculous. But such a such a great movie and everything. And then now you got the you know the this you know the actor playing this beloved character years later and some time and some people are just like it's like dude stop asking me about that I don't care about that that's so long ago I'm done with that so it's like that's always the the, the sad scary part because you know you love these characters so much and you don't want to hear that it's gonna break your heart and everything so someone asked Jennifer Lawrence and she's like oh boy here he comes and she is like oh my god totally. <laughs> She said, like, oh, like a hundred percent, like she would, she would love to come back, and I, that, that, that's great. Of course, it's got to be for the right, right paycheck, which as it should be. You know, it's not like, oh, you want to do it? Hey, how about we pay you scale, and you know, no, pay her what she deserves. Make it happen. Uh, we're getting a prequel, which the prequel book is interesting, way better than I thought. You know, that I don't know when that movie's coming out, but. I would be curious to see like what's what's happening after you know the, the last Hunger Games you know book and because you know things I mean maybe things are just happily ever after and hunky dory maybe not you never know. Uh, what about the Flash? So I think I mentioned last week that they said that a sequel has you know the script has already been written for a sequel, and it's just a matter of like now what and what it comes down to is. The Flash has to be successful in order for there to be a sequel. You know, there there is the the, the possibility. They're not ruling it out. You know, and uh, even though we're getting this new start of everything, it, it's it's not necessarily done. And 
you know, we, we could still, it, it's going to be a while till you know, we, we get anything. They're saying that Blue Beetle is like the first DCU character. It's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But you could still do another Flash movie, especially the, with the whole idea of multiverse. It's like, like, why not? You know, why limit it? And if, you know, people want to see it, do it. We'll have to see. Um, I haven't looked at the box office numbers, so I don't know how it is, but I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, nitpicking and complaining and whatever. So you'll you'll hear my my thoughts on that later. Uh, there's also some talk about the Andor uh, Star Wars Andor speech. You know how were there? They originally in the script they wanted to to drop an f bomb. You know, f the Empire, fudge the Empire, and said you know they they end up saying you know fight the Empire. Um, I I thought it was ridiculous when they first talked about it. I I still think it's ridiculous. You know, they they wrote in the script. They're like, "Can we do it?" And Disney's like, "Uh, no." It's like, "Yeah, you're you're not going to do this." And I know sometimes I I come across as a bit of a prude, you know, because I don't really curse on on the show. And I I've explained this many times. I want to keep this like a PG thirteen episode because if you're listening with the little ones, hey little kids, how you doing? Um, make sure you eat your vitamins, wash your hands, and brush your teeth. I, I want to make sure that you can play this in the car or wherever and not have to worry about me, you know, doing rap song lyrics or cursing left and right. It, it's just, it, it doesn't really, it's not necessary. And that doesn't mean I don't curse. I curse in, in, in the real world, you know, but it's the same thing. It's like, I don't think it's appropriate to curse in the classroom. Some teachers may not agree with that, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't, I think there are other words that could be used versus, you know, so they decided not to. And I just, I just think it'd be a bad idea. I, I don't think, I feel like that word shouldn't exist in Star Wars. It still bothers me to this day. The fact that Han Solo told that dude on Hoth, I'll see you in hell when he was going to, go out and look for Luke. I don't, I just, it doesn't seem like the concept of hell exists in this Star Wars, you know, this galaxy far, far away or a long time ago, galaxy, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like there's, there's some things that, that, that it just, it, it, it's not in their vocabulary. You know, they, they talk about certain things. It's like, you know, Battlestar Galactica where are using frack. It's, it should be some other made up word it just it seems weird when you you just too, do too much. I I do not like the f bombing in Guardians of the Galaxy. I just feel like it just it was just done said to be done or whatever. In and you know we we heard the story about how it happened and whatever, but I just don't feel it made like oh this is the best Marvel you know movie because they use it the f bomb. I, I don't know. I just I just think it's it's silly where you know some people and I feel like with Deadpool everyone's like oh, oh they they're swearing Deadpool yeah this is the best thing. I, I I don't think that that that's that's not the you know there's something where and I I think it was like with the Guardians of the Galaxy when when that word comes out it's kind of a shock and sometimes it can be funny but when you're doing it all I don't, I don't know I just, I just don't think it's necessary and I really don't think it should be in a Star Wars movie or Star Wars show. It's it's just it's it's yeah, just shouldn't be there. That's how we feel. You may not agree, and that's okay because we you know we can agree to disagree. And then uh, the last bit of news, which is uh, kind of sad, it's unfortunate. Um, John Romita Senior 
legendary artist, Spider-Man. He's the one that drew Mary Jane, you know, Face Tiger. He just hit the jackpot. Design, you know, created so many characters, you know, just their look and everything like that. Such a, just, his style is just so clean and just, I just something I can't even describe it. It's just, it's so epic. And he was 93. And it, it's, it's, it's sad that, you know, these legends and, and that's the, the sucky thing about, you know, as we get older, we're starting to see, you know, more people pass away because, you know, they're getting older. So all these people, you know, I, I just remember reading these comics as a kid and, you know, maybe I didn't know who he was, but, you know, you, if, you know, even without looking at the credits or whatever, you know, you, cause you know, you didn't even have like credits on the front covers like you do now you can recognize the style and, 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 you know, there was something appealing. Those, those covers are what sold the comics a lot of times. When I'm going through it, when I was looking at those back issue bins, the boxes, you know, I, I was like devouring Spider-Man comics and I wasn't necessarily reading them in order. I mean, you know, it's, it's based off the cover image. Like who's in there? Who's drawn? Look at this image. And if it was like a badly drawn image, it might be, oh, you know, what's the next comic? So it's, it's just unfortunate. You know, he's such a great artist, but you know, that's, I guess part of life. So that there we're ended on that. That's uh that we're ending the news there. So that is going to be the news for your week. Give your loved ones a hug. All right, with comic books at Image Comics, we had Battle Chasers number ten, Joe Madura Med Madura. Uh, when was the last issue came out? And I know a lot of people are probably going to you know give us a hard time and everything like that. When did this comic start? It's it's crazy that it's only at issue ten. Now this is a new story arc. Apparently, I do not remember what happened in the the last issue, and because I, I remember I remember I interviewed Joe once as for like some video game stuff, and you know so obviously I was going to ask him about Battle Chasers, and you know he was working on it and he was coming and, and everything like that, and and then you know we did get. I don't even remember how many issues. I don't remember when it was. It's my brain is just a fog over all this. So it's a, uh, according to it's it's almost forty pages, thirty six pages according to uh, the solicit. No ads, and you know it's it's great art. I I didn't read this. Uh, there is a like a full page recap. You know there there's like a bunch of text for you to read. Like what the heck is going on in in this, and. I, it was just, there was something about it. You know, Joe's style is just, you know, I just remember the first time I saw him like on X-Men and it's just, you know, he's so, so, such a great artist. And this is this, you know, we have a lot of cool characters. I only remember Red Monica. It's like, I don't even remember the other characters' names. And, you know, maybe because my, my, my brain's getting old or whatever. So, you know, when are we, <laughs> a part of me, it's like, okay, this is a new story arc. When is the next, and, and again, I am not trying to criticize or anything, but like, when's the next issue going to come out? Is it going to be next month? You know, is, is, have they waited? I would, would think you'd try to wait until, you know, you have a good, you know, lead on some of the issues before you start putting them out again. So part of me is like, well, should I wait until the story arc is done at least? Or are we going to get like a big, epic, awesome collection that I'm going to have to buy? And by have to being like, because it's going to be so awesome. So it's it's back, which is, it's cool, exciting. I, I was so, so cool when I saw that. So I got the, I got the issue I, and I just flipped through. I, I just kind of, it's like, okay, I don't want to see spoilers, but I'm like skimming through the pages and it looks good. 
But yeah, I, I didn't read that. Um, Giant Cockju <laughs> issue three. So this is a this is it issue three of three, and Cockju uh, Kok I think it's supposed to be Cockju, K O K J U. Uh, this is such a, such a bizarre comic. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Scott Koblish. So basically, you have a giant um, kaiju comes out off the coast of San Francisco. And it's it's like it's poop is like kind of like toxic radioactive and there's like creatures and stuff like that so there's like all this chaos and destruction and people dying and then the the kaiju it's like mating season and the kaiju which is why it's called kakju is basically trying to have sex with buildings and smashing things and and um. Can is can it be stopped? So it, it turns out the government had this giant robot that it made, and we find out like why, like how you know why would you have this giant robot? And, and they're kind of like tricked into making it whatever. And it's actually kind of a funny story. <laughs> oh my gosh, this comic's so inappropriate. It's 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 funny. It's it's so we we get an ending. What's <laughs> will it be? <laughs> will it be a happy ending? Moving on. Moving on. Um, haunt you to the end. Uh, this, this. Okay, so I was, I, I wasn't sure about this. This is through Top Cow. It's by Ryan Caddy and uh, Andrea Moody. Ghost story for the end of the world. So at first I'm like, oh cool, ghost story and everything like that. But then it's like, wait a minute. So it, because I, I think it's like stuff starts off like 2050. I'm like, holy crap, because <laughs> this says in a not so future. Um, not so far future, rife with climate disasters and worldwide instability, an eccentric billionaire and his crew, a disgraced journalist, a radical doctor, a TV demonologist, and a squad of hard-bitten military contractors set out to prove the existence of life after death. But even if their mission is a success, I almost said mission weird. Even if their uh, if mission is a success, the truth behind the quote-unquote most haunted place on earth may not be the comforting revelation the world is hoping for. Uh, so it's 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 an interesting first issue. So I'm definitely, yeah, you should uh, check this out. Uh, when I, I saw that, I'm like, I, I like a, I I want a good horror comic, but you know, a lot of times they're not really horror. You know, and I I think sometimes the visual and colors just don't work in the medium. But but this was really cool. The art is is really nice, and is are you know headed to this. I shouldn't say too much, but yeah, and. Um, the fact that this is like in a far off future, so things are a little different. There's some interesting. It adds a like a different layer of dynamics that you know would would make things different than if it was like in the present. So that adds like another layer to it. So I, I'm I'm cu really curious about that. So I, I did like that. Then there's a click click boom number one of five. This is by Doug Wagner. So I'm I'm really becoming a Doug Wagner fans. Doug Wagner. So he did that plush comic. He did that. Was it vinyl? I don't. Maybe it wasn't vinyl. I don't. He did vinyl. I don't think I read vinyls. The other one with the uh, this that was a was it vinyl? Maybe it was vinyl. So, anyways, this one. Uh, Meet Sprout, a mute assassin who communicates exclusively through Polaroid pictures. That is gonna be so friggin' expensive. You're talking like at least like a dollar. I mean, unless they're cheaper. I always thought it was like a dollar a picture. But anyways, she. 
uh, communicates ex exclusively through Polaroid pictures, being raised by her doomsday prepping grandfather in the rolling hills of Idaho. Sprout has never been around other people, watch TV, or seen clothes outside of army fatigues. Now she's headed to the big lights of New York City to avenge her grandfather's murder, but will the city's mesmerizing glitz and glam help her succeed or be the death of her? So it's kind of an interesting first story. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too in depth or anything because you, know, you know she's she's trying to she has no way to communicate really because I don't even think she knows sign language, and you know she's trying to f figure out who killed her grandfather. I think, and you know she's been trained. You know, so she's can stand up to you know whatever. And uh, there's this a uh, news reporter or like wannabe reporter, like a I think she's a podcaster. And you know she's she's gonna get like mixed up with this and, and that. So uh, you know, and it looks like you know signs point to a possible potential like evil corporation and, and stuff like that. So I, I I I'm curious about this. Um, old dog number five, Declan Shelby. <laughs> this uh, this issue, I I feel like it kind of like took a turn <laughs> somewhere. Uh, so let's see the synopsis. Some kind of freak accident has set a gru gruesome creature loose in the halls of Black Circle. Is this an attack? Can a retriever stop this creature before Black Circle is eaten from the inside? Wow, I, I didn't read that synopsis, and I'm reading that after reading the issue. It's just like, huh. So old dog, you know, we have this uh, agent dude who was like in a coma for a while, and then you know, it's, he went through some process, been enhanced, and he's back. And you know he's he's this old guy, but he you know he's super skilled and everything like that. And he he's we've seen him on some missions, and he's kind of like working with his daughter. And there's like this big strain in their relationship between them. You know, it's like she just does not want to talk to him or anything like that. But you know she's she's trained to be a soldier, or whatever as well. So you know she will do what she needs to do and stuff like that. Uh, things didn't go so well in the last issue for our our dude. <laughs> this issue, I I just don't even want to hint or allude to what happens here, and I feel like I don't know if I just totally missed something, like if there was any hints of this before, but it's just like, holy crap, what 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 does this mean? And uh, yeah, so if you've been reading this, don't don't miss out on that issue because that that's just pr pretty cr pretty crazy. And then there was. Void Rivals. Uh, I didn't finish reading this. I started reading this. So this is uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, Matthias Lopez. Uh, let's see. The blockbuster Oblivion song team of Robert Kirkman, Lorenzo de Felici. Felici? Wait. Oh, I see. Okay, that was a cover. M M Matt M Matthias Lopez is a cover. Um, debuted a biggest new comic book of 2023 with the launch of an all-new shared universe and a surprise you won't see coming. War rages around the sacred ring where the last remnants of two worlds have collapsed around a black hole in a never-ending war. However, when pilot Darek and his rival Solia both crash on a desolate planet, these two enemies must find a way to escape together, but are they alone on this strange planet? And what dark forces await that threaten the entire universe? Sounds interesting, right? So yeah, like I said, I, I, I started reading that and... Uh, I just I for whatever reason didn't didn't finish that. So that was uh interesting. Then at DC Comics, we had uh so Mul Multiversity Harley screws up DCU number 4 came out. I, I'm not reading that. I it could be great. I don't know. I, I haven't been reading it. 
Um, Waller versus Wildstorm, book two. So I, I find this an interesting book. It's weird that we're getting this. So I, I'm pretty sure this is a black label book, right? Uh, so it's it's kind of taking things. It's it's taking the characters, but it's a like a whole different universe. So we're we're seeing it, it's it's a nice mix of you know taking the Wildstorm characters and mixing them with like DC because you know you you got uh, like whatever characters you know Deathstroke's here and then next Battalion and you know whatever. As as I read this, I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be rooting for Amanda Waller or not? Because Amanda Waller is like the worst. So it's 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 kind of kind of weird as I'm reading this because like I I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for or not. And, uh, you know, because she's doing all this stuff and everything. It's like, what's her agenda? And then she's kind of she's kind of getting pinned for a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, they're, they're about to oust her and, uh, you know, whatever. But it's like, wait, is this good or is this not a good thing? Like, who's really the good and bad and everything? So there's just some... It, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting book, like I said. Superman Lost, Issue 4. Okay. I don't know. I'm just... I'm, I'm not really feeling it. I... I it's just, I, I know, I get, you know, it has this big epic feel to it. And, you know, we, we saw Superman was lost. He was separated and he was gone for this. We don't know. We don't really understand how long he was gone. It, it there must be like this thing where time ha- passed differently. So it felt like he was gone. And now I think they're saying, I forget what they said in this issue. Like if it was a couple years or something like that. But I don't think like that much time passed on earth unless I totally missed something. And we're we're seeing as he's like trying to get make his way back to Earth, but it almost feels like he's just like on the other side of the galaxy, and you know he's trying to figure out how how to get back, you know, with with no ship or anything like that, uh, you know. And along the way, you know, he's so he's feeling compelled to help those who need help and stuff like that, you know, even if it's at the the cost making his journey, you know, longer or something. But I, I don't know something about it is just just not clicking. I, I I don't know. Wildcats issue eight. This is a, another interesting book, you know, separate from the um, Waller versus Wildstorm, where we have the the Wildstorm, the Wildcats characters in the DCU, but because of the covertness and everything like that, they're kind of under the radar. A lot of things. So you know, we we've seen other characters pop up, and uh, it's it's just an interesting. It's kind of like a you know rebooting these characters. Uh, you know, I I just find like. Uh, Caitlin Fairchild, you know, her thing, she's normally like this little kid. But then when she uses her power, she turns into this like hulking, not necessarily Hulk, but like, you know, like how she is from Gen 13. You know, she's big, strong, adult woman, super strength and everything like that. She does that. But then when she, it like, oh, she's going to have to need a nap after that. You know, it's going to wear her out. But it's just weird the fact that she's normally like a little kid. And, you know, so you got different things like that. Uh, stuff with Grifter, just and I, I've said it before. Just I don't know what makes Grifter so cool. I don't know. You know, he's got that the silliest mask, but it's it's just a cool look. And uh, you know, who can you trust? And there's, I, I'm just I'm really really enjoying this book. And uh, yeah, I, I I it's weird. I I don't know what it is about, but I'm just really I think because it's you know Matthew Rosenberg whatever. So. Then there's uh, Spirit World number two, and um, I I'm kind of interested in this comic. Yeah, I I don't know if it's for me. You know, we it's one of these things where we have this new character, and I'm not even sure what their their name is. 
but the idea of traveling between you know the, the real world and the spirit world you know we have Constantine here we have Cassandra Cain Cassandra Cain accidentally kind of got shunted into the spirit world so you know I'm looking at it, it's like she's got to come out because she's supposed to be in Batgirls and something else she's supposed to be in uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting book, but like if I had if I had to start making cuts and that, you know, I don't know if I you know obviously there's other things I would read over this. I I am I'm intrigued by the idea, but yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about it just yet. It hasn't like totally pulled me in yet, but enough that I'm I would still keep reading it if that makes sense. Then we have Green Lantern number two. This has been interesting seeing because you know we're we're seeing like what happened like a few months ago and then it jumps to the present because it it starts off with like stuff happening and then that like how like loses wait wait what's going on he loses powers but how is this happening and then then it's like oh wait now it's restarting or whatever you know so there there's some weird things happening here and you know with with how separating himself from the Lantern Corps because the United Nation of, or whatever, of planets has decided to take control of it because I guess the Guardians aren't around. And he's like, nope, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work for you guys. So he kind of, I, I think what happened, and it's it wasn't, maybe it hasn't been fully clearly stated, and maybe it kind of has here. So he, you know, he didn't have his power, but then he managed to make a ring, because he's done that before. And uh, it, you know, it was, I think it was like last issue where there was a dude ha- had a manhunter armor, and somehow, I believe how like kind of pulled out Owen energy from it and made a ring, and was able to like defeat this this crook. So we we have that, and uh, he's being Hal. You know, he he gets a job with Carol. And he ends up crashing like a drone, you know, cost him. So he gets, she's like, get out of here type of thing. You know, cost the, the company millions of dollars. But then he ends up getting another job. And uh, Hal is just, he's such, such a Hal. It's just funny. Uh, um, so it's good. And we get a John, John Stewart uh, backup story. Um, then Batman Incorporated issue nine. I'm just, I, I'm losing interest in, in this book. And I was never like the biggest Ghost Maker fan, you know. I, I I really really respect Ed Brisson as a writer and everything, but it's just these characters. I don't know. And then you know, with with issues issue with last issue whatever the current Joker's Inc. Um, storyline, I'm just I'm so I'm there's just so much Joker. You know, seeing Joker in here and then the Joker man who doesn't laugh or whatever that book is and. I just it's just too much Joker. I I can't can't stand it. Oh Joker overload. I just kind of flipped through this and um can't really tell you <laughs> like too much what's going on there, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not I, I'm not gonna say that I'm like quitting the the the, the book, but it's just this at least with this story arc, I, I can't read this. Then uh, at Marvel we have Amazing Spider-Man 27. So we we've heard the news or the, the tease that Superior Spider-Man is coming back, and who's on the front cover? Of this we have Doc Ock. So it's like, okay, does this have anything to do with it? And it's just hard to because you know you look at him menacingly on, on the cover. And it's like, wait, is he reverting back? I thought he was 
beyond, he moved beyond this. You know, he wasn't this evil, whatever, cackling villain. But, you know, he, he's kind of there again. And it's weird because I, I know there's going to be a, a mourning issue over the death of, of the stupid death that happened last issue. The death of Kamala Khan. I was like, I'm not going to say it in case you haven't read it, but it's, you know, it's, it's so stupid. So, you know, Peter's kind of sad and uh, Black Hat is, you know, like, let's go out, punch some bad guys. It'll make you feel better and, and that. But also what, what's happening is some of Doc Ock's arms is feels like a connection to, to Spider-Man or whatever. It was like nearby. And then Doc Ock's like, where have you been type of thing? And, you know, he's getting mad and, and he tries uh, doing some... He's He has some new arms, which... Look a little creepier because, like, you know, it almost looks like they 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 almost look like more like real tentacles, even though they're metal. Because you know they got like little green kind of like suction things, which I'm sure I don't know if they are extra suction. They do other purpose too. But what's weird is like the ends don't have like the little claws in there. I'm going to assume I don't know if we actually see things. Yeah, um, I'm assuming that you know they would if if he needs little little grippers at the end, they'll they'll pop out somehow or something like that. Yeah, we, we have that. And then uh, um, what happens so in Doc Ock is he's like, this isn't acceptable. And there, it kind of takes like an interesting turn at, at the end. So it's like, I don't know where, where this is going. Um, but at least uh, better than things have been recently. Uh, I'll just say that. Um, there's a new Black Panther comic, I just realized. I didn't I didn't read this. So I haven't been, been keeping up with, with Black Panther. Um, I don't know... Yeah, I don't really know much what's what's going on, because ever since there was like that that space Black Panther, I'm like, what the heck is, <laughs> what is what does this mean? So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, should I be reading Black Panther? Someone please let me know. Is is it good? Is it okay? I don't know. Then we have Captain America, Cold War part was part six. No ways have only been part six. I feel like it's been way more than that. So. This is a conclusion of this story. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, with Bucky joining, becoming a revolution, or was he the revolution, or was that the group, and, and the betraying Steve and seeing like he's evil and uh, kidnapping Ian, uh, Steve's son from Dimension Z. And, uh, yeah, so we, we get some some closure on this so we find out like what what's the deal what was going on and uh it almost makes it sound like like steve is like okay i'm gonna go off and do this like he's not gonna be around and like okay sam you you take over but that's not the case because jms is doing it unless his uh captain america story because it's supposed to be telling stories about like some revelations about you know Steve's past or whatever before he became Captain America maybe that's going to be rooted like back then so then if Steve is off somewhere else in the present that won't affect I don't even know but uh, I'm just I'm I'm so done with this you know Dimension Z was okay you know it's it during Rick Remender's run so you know I, I have respect for it for you know what it accomplished what it set out to do but this this story I just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's over. And then we have uh, Captain Marvel, issue 50. 
Okay, think about that. That is so me. What other book? Is there any other Marvel comic that is has been fifty issues like this? I know we have Spider Man, but you know whatever. But the fact that this is a, a story, this is it's done fifty issues in a row without being rebooted and renumbered, because you know everything just just keeps. It's like one issue one through six, and it's over, and then you get another issue one, and I mean even Spider Man is like issue. What is it? Issue twenty-seven. I I just think it, this is great. This has been such a good run. Uh, Kelly Thompson, she's one of my favorite writers. Uh, I just I love what she's. I so wish her West Coast Avengers was still going on. I mean her, read her Kate Bishop series. Um, Leonardo Romero's art. It's just such such good stuff, and uh, I I just I think Kelly just really really made me like. Captain Marvel even more. Um, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick, you know, she obviously, you know, had some some big, big influences on, you know, rebooting the character, making Carol Captain Marvel and all that, you know, when that series first came out. But uh, Kelly Thompson's just, this this whole run has just been really good. It's just a lot of characterization and just, you know, dilemma and, and just everything. You know, we saw new characters and we saw hardships and uh, crazy battles. So it... It sucks that it's over, but you know it, it, it's it's great that it lasted this long. So this was a, a good final issue to kind of wrap things up and you know set the stage and and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, then we have Clobbering Time, which I still haven't been reading this. This is issue four. So um, Steve Scrooge. Um, I, I, I'm really curious about that. I, I should. We have a Cosmic Ghost Writer, which I think I didn't read. I don't know if I read the second issue. I know I didn't read the third issue. But, yeah, I, I feel like I should be going back to re- reading that. It's like I have no idea what's going on. Um, Doctor Strange. You know what? Okay, I actually didn't read Doctor Strange. I was going to. I took a pause, and I was like, okay, Doctor Strange, you got to read this. And then blah, 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 doing other things, whatever. And then somehow I moved on and um, I realized I still have that like open. So I ha- haven't read that. Um, I've been I've been enjoying this. You know, I, I've never been like the biggest Doctor Strange fan um, ever since The Oath, the, the Brian K. Vaughn series. You know, I feel like that really rejuvenated him. And it's been cool seeing him in Avengers and whatever like that. It's just weird. But, you know, this is Jed McKay and Jed McKay you know, he, he's, he's a great writer as well. So, um, I'm, I'm enjoying this, this series, even though I'm not like a hardcore fan of like Dormammu and I'd never cared about Clea before until, you know, he, you know, I was reading her here. So it's, 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 um, really good. So I, I'm, I'm bummed that I missed that. Also Jed McKay's Moon Knight. This was an interesting, um, story cause, uh, we see someone kind of manipulating Moon Knight. You know, he's like, there's like a lot of like dream stuff and like false realities and uh, seeing like what, what that means. Like who, why is this happening and everything like that. So, you know, we, we kind of see some other people, some, some familiar faces, but it's, I guess technically maybe it's not really them. So um, interesting things there. Planet of the Apes issue three. I, I just don't know how I feel about this comic. You know, it's, it's, Going back, it's like in the movie universe, and you know, so it's it's set back. I think it was like 2017 at one point in this comic, but just seeing like the development of everything like that. So I guess in in the terms of going from like the first movie to like the second whatever, and just seeing uh, everything happening, some interesting things with you know the 
with the the simian virus that's been unleashed and then it's killing off humans but people are trying to protect the apes because the cure is within them so even though the apes are killing humans they could also save them but you, you know but them being around it could be killing more and so it's just a, a lot of you know just the whole hatred and you know that's some people you know immediately that's that's their gut instinct so there's some some interesting things there um rogan gambit issue four so i think i didn't read the second issue so i didn't read the third issue but i'm like well i'm just gonna flip through this to see what what's going on here we've got the power broker um it's not necessarily i'm I'm assuming it's not like the original power broker but we have some dude he's like selling powers you know to whatever and he's able to control other people you know if you implant some device in them and and as I was like kind of skimming through this, I was actually I was kind of reading it, even though like I like I said I haven't bothered to go back and read the other ones. It's just you know when you you have these twirling mustache villains and you know their evil schemes, it's just I find it kind of annoying. And I I get you know I, I totally understand the need for this. You know you you want to have these villains, otherwise things are boring. You know you have to have villains that you don't like. But it's just, I don't know. I was just kind of rolling my eyes a little bit. And it's just like, ugh. Then we have Spider-Man India. I I started reading this. And then I I had to stop. There's a lot of mention of food in this. And I love Indian food. Uh, You know, I'm, it's it's so good. But there's like so much, there's, there's like, at least like four pages of, of like food. You know, it starts off where, uh, Spider-Man India is about to eat and then his uh whatever his his thing gets like whoosh it like disappears and so he goes out and it's like Miles Morales steals his food or something like that it's like really but then uh then we get like two pages of Peter Miles and uh Peter whatever uh Spider-Man India's name is just sitting around eating and talking and uh Eh, I just I don't care about that. Then there's another point where he's like with his aunt and she's like cooking, and uh, yeah, so I, I I couldn't read that. And then um, Spider Go into Shadow Clones. You know, for so first of all, I have to comment. So you know, we we have the the cover, uh, David Nakayama. I really really dig his style. You know, you, I you know. I think I'm pretty sure I'm following him on on Instagram, and you know he's done a lot of covers and stuff like that. I just you you look at this cover, and um, Gwen Stacy's her her boobs are front and center, smack dab in the middle of the of the comic. She's in this test tubes, you know. So the the story there's these clones, clone variants of 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 Gwen. Like her DNA has been spliced with other uh, members, like the Sinister Six. So you're getting these different versions of of, of Gwen. Not super crazy about that. I'll talk about that in just a second. So they're trapped in these tubes. Gwen, Spider Gwen, our Spider Gwen, is smack dab in the middle. She's the boobs are right there. That's not what the character looks like. And I get and whether it was the artist's choice or if it was editorial's choice. You know, if they're trying to say, hey, you know, put them a little more out there to get people to pick up this comic. And if that was editorial's choice. I, that's 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 kind of scummy. 
And um, if it was an artist's choice, because it makes it more, quote-unquote, appealing to dude bros buying the comic, whatever. And, and it could also... I, I don't know anything about... You know, I'm assuming David knows the character. I mean, she's supposed to be, like, kind of like a teenage character. And not saying that teenagers don't have boobs, but it just... It's, I feel like it's a little exploited for a character. And again, maybe it's it's like the father protectiveness, whatever, where I, I don't feel like it should be as pronounced, even though you're, you got teenage, you know, you have teenage characters in spandex. So, you know, it's, it's going to be there, but I just, I, I, I'm probably making too much out of this. Uh, it, it just, that's not what, that's not Gwen's body type. You know, she, she's not, you know, it's not about the boobs with, you know, with her character design. You look at red Monica from battle chasers. That's a different story. All right, so with this comic, um, I, I've been okay with this this series. I'm I'm not super crazy about all the clones and everything like that, but you know, there's been some interesting aspects seeing the different like versions of Gwen and everything like that. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much else to say about this comic. I just I just miss just like you know, give me a regular Spider Gwen comic. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just yeah i'm just i think that might be the other thing i'm just kind of bummed because i just i missed a regular series and and even in a regular series it, it kind of veered off like when when gwen got her kind of symbiote costume the to me that was a little weird so i i don't know what i want from 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 a spider gwen comic but i'm not getting it obviously because like the the last the last one you know not i'm not just trying to knock this and you know people involved here or whatever but even the the last one where he had like all the different like variants uh i I don't know um then we have star wars sana staros um i just kind of skimmed through this i've kind of lost interest um darth vader 35 this was interesting uh i don't read you know i've mentioned this before i don't normally read dr afra i'm i'm very fascinated with the character but at some point i just i whatever fell a couple issues behind kind of stopped reading and then I don't really know like where where the character went. She seems like an interesting character, from what little I remember and what I've read. You know, she's kind of seems sort of like an archaeologist character. You know, she looks. You know, she. It's mentioned here that she's gone after like Jedi relics. So it's almost like I, you think about this character. You have this. You know, it's female character. She is like a, a different race, and uh, she's like it's kind of like an indiana jones type you know kind of indiana jones slash han solo character mixed in you know in a, in a female form this this could be like you know money in the, the bank you know i would love to see a dr afra disney plus show and i think at one point one of the the fake news sites are like chloe bennett could be dr afra i could totally see that and um I would be down with that because I love Chloe Bennett. I would love to see her in, in something, uh, you know, like in part something, this universe. But obviously, that's not, there's no, no, there's no Dr. Afro show probably even being considered as far as I know. So we have her here. And like I said, I find her to be an interesting character. But for whatever reason, I just, you know, maybe all the comics, I don't know. There's something about it. I just, I just stopped reading. So Darth Vader has been kind of affected recently with the, the whatchamacallit, um, something like messed up with the force powers. So it's like hard for him to keep in control. And uh, 
So he seeks out Dr. Affer because she tried betraying him before and trying to capture him. And so he kind of like wants to use that. And she's like pretty scared because you don't want to cross Darth Vader. And, and she knows that she kind of screwed him over. But the fact that, you know, he, she's not immediately dead means that he needs her. So she she gets that. So it's, it's just interesting dynamic. And I, I, I love the fact that she is not this like totally fierce, unstoppable. I mean, she has every good reason to be scared of Darth Vader. I mean, Darth Vader, you don't want to cross Darth Vader. So the fact that she knows that she's in danger, it, it's, it makes it like more more realistic Versus someone like, you know, and, and yeah, you have Leia who's like all about sass, but that, you know, that's a, that's a different story. You know, Leia is just all about the attitude and sass. But I, I like that Dr. Afro realizes that he could just like kill her like with, with, without a second thought. But then she also gets that she's got, you know, the knowledge and the skills that there's something that he needs. And that's to her benefit. So I, I think there's something really smart about that. Then uh, Wolverine. Issue 34. So this is Wolverine versus Beast. It's just, I, the whole Beast, I'm still so perplexed about Beast just being a total scumbag. Kills Wolverine, takes his clone, you know, clones being developed. He takes them and he's using them as weapons, you know, without any of Wolverine's memories in there. They're just like, you know, unkillable kill, killing machines. Unkillable killing machines. And uh, he's betrayed, you know, he's took, taken off from Krakoa, doing his own thing. Wolverine is pissed that he's was being used and manipulated and, and everything like that. But the thing is, Beast is, he has like a bunch of his, his backup memories and he has a bunch of clones. And uh, so he's doing his own thing. He's also kidnapped Wolverine's human friend, who's kind of was in the CIA or whatever and working some stuff. So Wolverine actually like, agrees to meet with with the beast because uh wolverine and maverick they have like a couple wolverine clones that beast would like back because they're kind of expensive and hard to you know whatever but they're they're having dinner at this place because beast says that you know he has some information on the guy and then he's able to manipulate him or what you know do, to do whatever but as he's eating and he's eating like lobster and stuff like that first he's like eating with his hand is like lobster juice all over his hands which his fur is just like ill like that and he's just like chowing down just like stuffed food all over his face it's like what the heck why is he eating like such a slob and it's just he's gonna need like a bath after this like a shower because he's gonna have like all this stuff in his fur it's just and it's like, who eats like that? And I don't care if you have claws in your hands or whatever, but it's, you're not just going to be like shoving, like just <laughs> smashing it into your face. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. And even at one point, like Wolverine's looking at him, he's like, this isn't like you. So even he's a getting, and I, so I think it was purposely done. It's like, what, what the heck is, is going on with Beast? And uh, it's it kind of gross. <laughs> then we have a, X-23 Deadly Regenesis. I feel like we just had issue three, but maybe not. Laura is under the control of this Kimura, you know, having to do what she she says. And uh, so she's going out on missions. She's like kind of going along with it, but she's able to manipulate things where, you know, she's she can complete the mission without killing people. And like in one mission, she kind of does this like smart thing to, to kind of 
get around it and then uh, this other mission where she you know she has to retrieve this this item but she's able to do it without killing him because and then she even says it wasn't necessary it wasn't part of that wasn't a mission and so obviously Kimura's gonna try to change things or whatever and and then someone pops up at the end and it's like okay this is uh, you know it's a nice cliffhanger ending for the next issue it's like okay well, what does this mean um, excellent issue four came out and I realized that cause I, I remember last month I, I didn't read issue three. And then when this came out, it's like, I never read issue three yet. So I can't read issue four. So I, this is just look at that cover. Just those, those colors. I don't understand how Laura Allred does it, but she's, she's like, like, she's like a sorceress. She's like just magic. Just so, you know, she's taking colors and they just, I don't, how do you make them so vibrant and just so, and as it you know mixed in with with Mike Allred, I just uh, I'm just so so in love with with, with that. And then uh, X Men Red issue twelve. I haven't been reading X Men Red for the longest time, and I was like flipping through this front. I'm like like this dude on the cover. Who's this guy with the horns? Is this someone I'm supposed to know? And uh, I'm just I don't know what's going. On. I don't care about these Araco characters, whatever. Uh, see, we have the White Sword. Storm was in there, Sunspot, Fisher King. I know, remember Fisher King from like the first couple issues, but um, yeah, I just, I'm just waiting for you know something. I think X Men is getting Krakoa is going away. There's gonna be some sort of story reboot. I just, I don't know what's going on, and I'm a little scared that I'm I'm gonna be confused. But I just. I have to I have to be firm and with I can't just read everything if if it's just not appealing to me. I have to put my foot down. And uh I, I well normally I would read like everything X-Men. I can't do that anymore because my sanity, I don't have the time. And uh speaking of time, uh, that's going to be it for comics. We still have so much to talk about. So that's comics for the week. All right, with Silo season 1 episode 7, The Flame Keepers and um uh, I feel like I'm trying to think about like I feel like I just talked about the book and where I was at. I'm, I haven't listened to it in the past few days because I haven't been driving to to work. Um, I, I shouldn't say any, anything more about this, but I feel like it's it's so weird because I feel like I just talked about the last episode because I don't. I'm pretty sure I, I didn't talk about this. So the Flame Keepers. Let's just get to it because I'm just rambling now. You know, it, it picks up from the last episode where. Juliet's reading that forbidden book and the, the people are watching on her screens. But it almost, because as we, we get a different glimpse, it doesn't seem like they'd really be able to fully see what she's looking at since it's like a side view. But maybe the fact that she has a book, I, I don't know if, if they can really see that. And the cameras, because of all the technology, I, I, I was talking to a co-worker before school was over about how it's like when and and I'm this is why I'm hesitant about getting too far into the book because like when when does this take place is this supposed to take place like 500 years in the future or could it be like taking place currently you know if we have this underground silo you know they if and if if they think that it's toxic outside it could be like this could have started like 1930s or something like that or you know probably not because the to build all this stuff but you look at a lot of their computers. It's like, if this is so far in the future, why are all their computers kind of like from the 1970s or, you know, something like that? And is this the only thing that survived? So it, it's just weird that some things are so outdated. 
But these cameras, I actually, I think while normally things are, are kind of sketch, it almost seems like these cameras are maybe a little better because maybe they're holding back on the rest of the population. Because it, it's not like it's not like HD quality what they're looking at. You know, it's still like that, not necessarily black and white, but it's like security cam footage. So I don't know. Um, but then we see this old lady, she's like barefoot, feet in the sand, and she's looking at this like spiral shell. And I didn't really catch it like in the beginning, but it, it was almost like... Uh, like the, the the spirals of in the silo from the, the stairs, and there's, there's like some wind. You know, she's breathing, and there's like this father and daughter running on the beach. So we find out the lady's name is Gloria. I'm like, wait, wasn't that George's aunt? But then it's also like, wait, wasn't Gloria the the fertile fertility person who was talking to Allison? So then the daughter is like, mommy, how far does this go? And she's like, forever. It's like, wait, this lady looks like older or whatever. And then so. It's, then then this nurse walks up with medication and she's like gloria gloria she's like trying to get her attention and in reality shifts like back to her like it's almost like a hospital room in a silo okay so here's here's a question gloria you know she's she's an older woman has she actually been outside how is she having these memories of a beach you know has she actually been out in the beach or is this just like a hallucination or whatever so this uh then you know as reality shifts back then she's like i have to go back and she's like where's the water and the nurse is like right here and she gives her this injection and she's like i have to find them and then then you know, then the, the drugs start to kick in and then she's just like glazed over so there's more to this later which I, i'll just hold off with my, my commentary on that so juliet's continuing looking at the book then she looks at the front you see the names so because at first i thought it was like gloria and george i thought it was like one name but then it's like gloria and enjoy because you know they're all different handwriting and stuff like that so there are three different names so um and i believe george's mom's was is probably Anne. so gloria was the other person uh then there's other um some other names to the left there's like some look almost like bio t or something like that and emelin c and obj or something like that and there's like melody or whatever so she like goes to the oven and takes out this folder so she's probably hiding an oven which is i guess a smart place and there's like interview transcripts and it's like person interviewed and there's hildebrandt gloria and then other person present ds karens which i don't know if we've seen this detective karens person but they, they they're mentioned later also and i know they were mentioned before so she gathers the book in a folder and then she goes ahead out and she like i don't know if she just notices now that the flowers were knocked over because there used to be flowers on the table and i think this is it's like where the camera is at so like the flowers because again the question was who 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 are these flowers from the guys watching the screen one guy diego he's like she's taking it with her and so again now you really get the sense of if it wasn't obvious before that the flowers must have been blocking the camera because you can see like from the, the view you see the flowers like on a, on a table so then the other dudes ask like uh, it's like we should send someone and then Sims comes in he's like no he's like leave it just keep following her so then Julia's sitting in her office and she's like staring at the ceiling she's like waiting for a computer to, to boot up she searches Gloria Hildebrandt because residential addresses listed as medical long term care and uh, the notes like fertility counselor so then at this point this is like wait this is the same Gloria right to talk to Allison Billings walks in and turns on the lights in the main room and she's like morning she's like how's the baby and there's like a slight pause and he's like she's good 
turns on his computer and he's looking. He's like, you got messages. He's like, first is an apology for maintenance. And she's like, for what? And he's like looking. He's like, it says they, they've broken your base and they've taken it to be repaired. And she's like, why were they in? You know, why were they there in the first place? And Billings like, I don't know how things are in the down deep, but up here we learned early not to question the workings of maintenance unless you want your toilet to stop working. So Julia's like, down in mechanical, we fix things ourselves. And she says that she's headed out for a bit. And he's like, you're not going to tell me where you're going. And she's like, you know, something uh, I need to take care of in the mids. So then there's, he's like, wait, there's another message. Mayor Holland's re requesting a meeting with Sheriff Nichols first thing in this AM. Please acknowledge receipt. And she's like, well, acknowledge it. So he's like, should I tell him that you're on your way? And she's like, tell him I have to reschedule. So Billings like, you're going to brush off the mayor you know, a day after the holiday with the whole style silo still on edge. She's like, I'm not worried about the mayor. She's so just like, I'm not worried about leaving you in charge for a few hours. So then someone named Molly's like calling on the radio and, you know, it's a Karen's for Billings. Like, do you copy? So Julia's like, Oh, you should probably get that. And she just leaves. So as she walks down the stairs, um, it almost looks like there's, there's a maintenance guy. Did what, did he look at her as she walked by or was he just like a natural glance with her? Cause she kind of like turns back and looks at him. Cause you know, there's all these friends that are whatever the style of people spying for Sims is like, you don't know who to trust and everything. So she goes to long-term care. She tells receptionist that she's looking for Gloria Hildebrandt and reception's like, I'm sorry, I'm not authorized to give out that information. She's like, why not? And she's like, like I said, I'm not, she's like authorized. Right. It's like, do you see this? And she like points her chest where her badge is supposed to be, but it's not there. She's like, wait, hold on. She pulls a badge out of her pocket. She's like, this makes me authorized to know, right? So is she here or not? The receptionist kind of stammers. She's like, um, uh, she is sheriff. And she's like, great. I want to ask her some questions. So the nurse is like, I'll take you back, but you should be prepared. And she's like, for what? She's like, uh, you might not get the answers you're hoping for. So they go into the room that we saw at the beginning. So Gloria... She says that she found him or something like that. The nurse is like, she suffers from hallucinations. It's like, they're a symptom of her condition, advanced vascular dementia. So Gloria is like, right where I left them by the water. And Julia's like, what? It's like, what water? The nurse is like, oh, it's best not to disturb her. Then Gloria turns her head. The water they don't want us to know about. So the nurse says like, oh, she's getting agitated. And she talks about things she doesn't know about. So Juliet tries like shushing her, the, the nurse. And she's like, I want to take her for a walk. And she's asked Gloria, she's like, would you like that? Go for a walk with me? The nurse is like, that's not possible. She's not cleared to leave. And Julia's like, well, I, I will clear it, okay? And she's like, you can't. They're on orders or, you know, there's an order to keep her here. And Julia's like, by who? The nurse is like, Judge Meadows. So Julia just nods like, of course, you know, Judge Meadows, of course she would, uh, you know, issue this. So the nurse is like, if there's nothing else, I think you should leave. So Juliet shakes her head. She leaves and she like almost like bumps into the nurse with her bag, you know, on her shoulder when she walks out. So then uh, Kath comes up to Billings, says she'd like to report a crime. She's like, my husband forgot his lunch this morning. So it's his wife. So they laugh, whatever. The baby's sleeping. And he's like, oh, you don't have to come up all the way up here. And she's like, well, I wanted to show, you know, their, their daughter, like how important her daddy is. And he's like, oh, she doesn't seem too impressed and whatever. So Kath says, you know, she's also hoping to meet the sheriff. She's like, where is she? And he's like, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. So then he's like, do you want coffee? And he tells the room that he'll be in a cafeteria. Then this lady runs in. At first, I thought it was a lady from recycling, but I, I don't think it was. She says that she needs a sheriff. And she's like, it's an emergency. So then Paul calls Juliet on the radio, and she like turns it off. And she's like heading, you know, walking away. She's going to judicial. 
So she kind of just barges into Judge Meadows' office and receptionist's like, ma'am, ma'am. She's like calling after her. It's like, I told you she's not in. And Jill's like, well, where is she then? She's like, like I said, if you want to see the judge, you request an appointment. She's like, I don't need one. I'm the sheriff. An appointment is part of protocol. She's like, I don't give a poop about protocol. And she's like, she's not here. I'll wait. And she's like, you'd be wasting your time. She's like, well, that's not your problem, is it? So then receptionist's fine. Like, she's out sick with a cold. So Jill's like, when will she be back? And she's like, when she's feeling better. So Billings is like running down the stairs. He's like bumping into people. He's calling on the radio. He's like, all deputies report to 26. He's like, they're, they're out of control. So people are like fighting and struggling. And Billings and other deputies, one other deputy, I forget her name. They're like getting banged up and everything, trying to stop things. Juliet finally returns to the station. It's like noisy. There's a lot of people sitting in like locked up cells and stuff like that. She's like, what's going on? Molly's like, there you are. And Billings, he's like, He's like, where the hell have you been? She's like, what's happening? And he's like, if you hadn't turned off your radio, you wouldn't have to ask. So she kind of knows she messed up, whatever. They go in her office and Billings like, the bar on 26 was trashed last night. She's like, by who? He's like, the owner says a group from the lower mids, they got too rowdy last night and he cut them off. And when he showed up this morning, he's like, he jumped to his own conclusions. And by the time we got there, the entire floor was ready to tear each other apart. Like, people are scared. They're angry. They need their sheriff. And she's like, Billings? She's like, I'm not done. And he's like, in addition to getting an elbow to face, I had to cover for you when the mayor turned up asking, like, why you never showed. And he's like, I lied for you. And she's like, okay. He's like, she's like, I'm sorry. He's like, we're past that. He's like, you have to come clean right now. He's like, I want a reason why you're neglecting your duties and dishonoring that badge. Otherwise, I have no choice. She's like, George Wilkins was murdered. He's like, what? And she's like, just like Johns and Marnes and Trumbull. Trumbull? You told Judge Meadows he jumped. And she's like, yeah, because that's what she wanted to hear. He's like, you want me to be honest with you? I have no idea what I'm doing, okay? I came up here because of George. And the only thing I figured out is that the man that I love, he lied and he used me. And I just still want to find out why he got killed. And now that somehow is connected to John's and to Marn's and why Holson went out and why his wife before went out, he's like, so you're asking me to look the other way as you pull on a thread that's connected to four murders and two cleanings? She's like, yes. There's a long pause. And Billings like, George Wilkins' case was closed. And she you know, goes to say something, but he like, cuts her off. He's like, that is until we found one of his relics in Trumbull's apartment, which is related to our largest relics investigation. So technically, it can be seen as an opening to re-examine George's case. And she like nods and she's like, thank you. And he's like, thank the pact and just promise that you'll see the mayor. And she's like, I'll see the mayor first thing tomorrow. And she's like, you should go home. He looked like crap. And she's like, one more thing. Um, do you know where Meadows lives? He's like, I'd ask why, but something tells me that this is one of those moments I'm supposed to look the other way. And she's like, says nothing. He's like, level 15, manager's row. And he's like, if you want to get in her good graces, she has breakfast delivered every morning. She likes bacon and eggs. So Juliet sits in the cafeteria while it's being like cleaned. Lucas comes up and she says that, you know, she was on her way when, you know, she saw his lights in the sky. He, and she's like, they're gone now. He's like, oh, they're not gone. They're just hiding. So he mentions that, you know, she didn't eat her mushrooms or something like that. And she's like, you know, he sees her plate. She's like, just because we live underground doesn't mean that we have to eat fungus. And he's like, oh, they're actually quite good. And she's like, agree to disagree. So she's like, what do you do when you're not here? He's like, uh, I'm, I'm a system analysis. She's like, you work in IT? He's like, mm-hmm. And whatever computer problems you're having, I promise you they are not my fault. 
So she's like, so you knew Mayor Holland before he became mayor? He's like, no is a bit of a stretch. He once lectured me on the proper protocol for unplugging a toaster in a break room. And so, and she's like, yep, that sounds like him. Then uh, she sees a light and she points out, I never see these lights when they talk about it. So he points out like where other ones should be, whatever. And then she's like, I wonder how long they've been there. Like, have they always been there even before when, you know, people used to live outside? He says he wondered the same thing. And she asks if he ever noticed like um, anything strange besides the lights in the skies and, you know, like a clue as to, you know, what it was really like out there. He like sighs, whatever, but. He's like, uh, no, but there was one time I saw a light move across the sky and disappear. And then, then he moves and like kisses her. And then she like turns and gets up and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, and she's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, oh, I thought because of what I said yesterday and whatever. And she's like, it's okay. She's like, I shouldn't have. She's like, I'm going to go. And she like walks out and like kind of sighs. So I think, you know, she, she's obviously fond of him. You know, she keeps talking to him or finds his company, you know, acceptable, but she's also still in love with George, you know, and whether there's any traction or not, you know, she was, so in her apartment, she looks at the book and there's a page on constellations and looks like the science space center, or whatever the camera pans to the, the mirror where the, the vase flowers was. So the next day on the stairs, she watches as a, like a father and son, like maybe a son, I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl drop like paper helicopters, like things. And it like kind of spins around, but it's like, I thought paper was kind of scarce. So was that paper? Maybe something else. I don't know. So Bernard's like, we have a problem in his office. And she's like, okay. He's like, I've received a threat. She's like, what? He's like, no, it's it's not. She's like, no, I'm going to get you security detail. He's like, uh, Sheriff, I know it's not your inclination, but I need you to listen. He's like, the other day, after Sims accused you of planning evidence, I was informed that Judge Meadows was not pleased with my intervention on your behalf. She sent Sims with a warning that if I were to obstruct her efforts again, she would use some contortion of the pack to remove me. Years ago, I made a choice to stay out of her way. And she's like, to protect your job? He's like, of course. But my job in IT isn't any job. He's like, I know you think it's because the generator or it's a generator that keeps the silo running. And she's like, because it is. Because without power, we have nothing. He's like, it's how the power is used. To water crops, transmit messages, circulate air, all of these invisible functions are controlled by the servers in IT. And she just like nods. He's like, now if the servers were to fall into the hands of the wrong person, no amount of power from the generators would matter. And she's like, do you think Meadows would hijack the servers? And he whispers, he's like, I know I don't want to wait around to find out. He's like, we need to find something that we can use to wall her in to keep her from stepping outside her bounds. So Julia's like, there is something I've been looking into. He's like, what is it? And she's like, according to the pact, I can't discuss ongoing investigation. And he kind of chuckles. He's like, you sound like Billings. She's like, he's not so bad. And then he's like, he's your replacement. Whatever it is you're onto, I hope you get to the bottom of it before Judge Meadows gets rid of you. Because as soon as she does, there's nothing either of us can do to stop her. So it's it's also weird because um, the mayor in, in the book is like a complete, like he is so, he's almost like evil. It seems like he's such a jerk. So Juliet knocks on Meadows' door with the like tray breakfast, and uh, Meadows she's like, "Leave it there, Carl," and she's like, "It's not Carol, Carl. It's it's the sheriff." He's like, "I'm here with your breakfast." Meadows is like, "Leave it and go," and Juliet's like, "I want to ask you some questions. I'm not well." Juliet's like, "My first has to do with your policy of locking up citizens and then drugging them against their will." So it's like, "Juliet, you're really pushing things." 
So Meadows opens the door, takes a tray, and Juliet comes in. And Meadows like, I wasn't expecting company. I've been sick. And she like pushes a bottle. So it's like, wait, has she been drinking? Because it's like on the counter. Juliet's like, well, you'll get your privacy back as soon as you tell me why you're keeping Gloria Hillebrand captive in medical. And Meadows is like, who? She's like the fertility counselor. And she's like, oh, her. It's for her own good. So Juliet's like, you're drugging her because you think she said something to Allison Becker that made her want to go out? She's like, I don't know where you're getting all this. And Juliet's like, in Gloria's file, Gloria said to her that she's not the type the silo wants having children. So I want to talk to her. And Meadows like, why? Julia's like, the relic investigation, the one you approved. She's been on your watch list for years. I figure she might know something. And Meadows like, you're not a good liar, Sheriff. Then Julia's like, then let me talk to her and I'll leave you alone. She's like, I'm not stopping you. And Julia's like, her brain is filled with drugs. Glory doesn't have dementia any more than you have a cold. And she's like, oh, so not satisfied with Sheriff, a post you're not qualified to fill. Now you're diagnosing people. Julia's like, you don't want me to be Sheriff. I want to talk to Gloria, so why don't you lift whatever medical order she's under, and then I'll turn in my badge by the end of the week. And then Meadow's like, I want you to go before I summon judicial security. Julia's like, don't threaten me with Sims. I'm making a good offer. Let me take Gloria out of medical for a few hours, and I'll be back down in mechanical before you know it. And Meadow's like, it's not possible. And she's like, of course it is. You lift the order, and then Meadow's almost whispers. She's like, I can't. She's like, you're the judge. And she's like, I said I can't, and there isn't anything I can do about it. You need to stop doing what you're doing. And Juliet's like, not until I find out what I want to know. She's like, they'll never let you. And she's like, who who will, will not let me? And she's like, what do you mean? Who are they? Meadows just like drinks her quote-unquote orange juice. Just probably like vodka or something in there. So Juliet sighs. She's like, is this how it works? And Meadows like, has a tear. And she's like... Julia, it's like the apartment, the relics you get to keep as long as you're quiet. Cause there's like some stuff like on display, whatever. And Meadows like pulls a blanket on herself on a couch. And she's like, wow, no wonder you stay in here drinking your cold medicine. And Meadows sighs. She's like, you don't know anything about me. Now get out. And Julia just leaves. So Sims is like watching a tape of them at, at Meadows. And then he tells him to stop. And he's like, Nichols visited Hillebrand in medical yesterday. He's like, show me. So they play back a tape and Sim sees like the flowers from Juliet's. He's like not happy that they were there or whatever. And so Juliet's later sitting on a step and her dad walks up behind her and asks if, if she wants to come in. He says that they transferred him there after like something, whatever. And he, he, he doesn't say whatever. He doesn't explain. He's like, it's small, but I'm only here to sleep. He's like, I've thought so many times about what I'd say to you if you came back maybe he was going to say they transferred him after she left. Cause why would he need, you know, a three bedroom apartment or two bedroom, whatever. So, um, she looks around and she sees like her brother's stuff. He's like work that she left on the nightstand. When she left, it's like sitting on a shelf. He's like, and now you're here. I don't even know what, to, where to start. She's like, don't worry about it. That's not what, even why I'm here. She's like, I want to ask you for a favor and then I'll be out of your way. He's like, that's not what I want. She's like, there's a patient in long care, and I need you to help me to get her out of there for maybe one, two hours. He's like, whoa, just hold on a minute. She's like, Julia's like, I think she's being held and drugged against her will, and I need the drugs to wear off so I can find out why. And her dad's like, you shouldn't be talking like that. It's dangerous. He's like, I can't do that. And she's like, yeah, I should have known you wouldn't come through. And she turns and leaves. But it's like, come on, dude, that's being a little harsh. And he's like, wait. So he goes to the medical office's 
um, he runs into like this nurse receptionist and he lies and says that he came to raid their medicine cabinet. So she's like, oh, let me get an inventory sheet. He's like, oh, no, no. He's like, I just need, need to, you know, I came to nab two aspirin. He's like, I thought, you know, I could tough it out. And she's like, well, I'm heading home for tonight. So uh, help yourself, which is lucky for him. So he finds a vial of medicine in Gloria's room. He, he tries talking to her lying in bed. He's like, can you hear me? I've come to take you for a walk. He's like, how would you like to visit the nursery? You know, the, the babies. So then um, he he takes her out in a wheelchair and he almost gets seen and Juliet's like waiting in a nursery so dad tells her that they're safe now he doesn't know why but they don't listen in there so Juliet tries asking Gloria if she remembers her from yesterday you know she's a sheriff dad tells her that they have her on a sedative so it could take like five or six hours for it to flush you know through her system he has to get her back before the night nurse starts his rounds so Juliet like curses and he says that he gets that she's frustrated and he's like, let's just step back and take a breath. She's like, that didn't work when I was five and it won't work now. So she asks if they can give her coffee or put her in a cold shower. He's like, she's not a machine that you can just turn on and off. And she's like, so that's it? You're not even going to try? But it's like, sheesh. It's like, come on, Julia. So he says that he can try giving her something to reverse the sedation. She's like, why didn't you say that before? And he like kisses. Because like, I don't, it doesn't always work. And she's like, okay. He's like, there can be side effects. And she's like, well, they are doing this to her and I need to find out why. She's kind of being a, a little selfish, it seems like. You know, it's just a bit harsh. So he injects Gloria and then she starts like reacting. He's like, this is what I was afraid of. So she's having a seizure. Julie thinks back to being a, a, like a kid with her dad uh, when he's like asking for help with her brother. In the present, and then he's like, it's okay. He's, he's like, you know what to do. So she puts like her fingers like on the side of her necks or something like that. And she like counts. Then after a bit, he, he says that it's it's abating and then she asks Gloria if Gloria's okay and he like holds her wrist and asks if she is whatever she pulls her hand away you know because he like kind of touched her and she's like she's fine so he says that they shouldn't wake her that they'll have to wait so Sims goes to the janitorial door inside there's like this sliding door with like a set of stairs leading down then there's a keypad lock at the bottom so we finally get to see what's behind the door and then behind the door is the big monitor room so one dude, it might be Diego, I don't lost track of who's who. He says they lost a sheriff. Last they saw, she was headed to medical. They figured that she was coming back for the old woman, but then she went the other way. So they must have gone away where the camera's down. And Sims is like, she wouldn't know that. You know, She wouldn't know like where the cameras are down. The other dude's like, well, maybe she lucked into a blind spot. And Sims like, where are the blind spots on medical? And the dude says that they've been repurposing cameras down there for years you know, trying to keep the, the main part of medical covered. And he's like, but none of you have any idea where she could be. None of you. So there's like four other people like manning the monitors in this big room. He's like, then get a map and start checking every single room for what we're missing. So Julia and her dad are sitting and waiting for Gloria to wake up. And he's like staring at her and she's like, what? He's like, that badge looks good on you. It's like my daughter to share. And she's like, yeah, well, it's not for long. So he's like, what's this about Jules? And she's like, why would I tell you? So then he just gets up for a cup of coffee. Then Gloria starts to stir. She's like, where am I? And she's like, you're in a nursery. And she's like, why? And she's like, I'm the sheriff. I brought you here because I need to ask you some questions. She's like, you're not, you're not the sheriff. He's, she's like, that was Holston, Holston Becker. He went out three years after his wife, Allison, went to out, out to clean. You spoke to her about fertility. I need you to try to remember. It's like, did the two of you talk about anything else? Her dad like walks in. Juliet says that, you know, she's running out of time. 
he starts talking to her, introduces himself and says that he's going to listen to her heart. And she's like, Nichols, Nichols. She's like, I know you. She's like, what do you want from me? Juliet says, she's like, it's okay. You know, he's my dad. And she's like, he works for them. It was him. He was my doctor. And Juliet's like, what is she talking about? Glory's like, you, it was you. And Juliet's like, she was your patient? And she's like, answer me. And her dad's like, I don't, it would have been 40 years ago. Glory's like, he stopped me from having a baby. Julia's like, what? Is that, is this true? You're, you're upsetting her. Go, get out of here. So she tells Glory, she's like, he's gone. And she's like, what did you mean he worked for them? And Glory's like, I don't want to be here. So Julia's like, listen to me. They are doing this to you. They are drugging you so that you will forget. And Glory's like, I want to forget. I want to be anywhere but here. I don't trust you. So Juliet gets the Amazing Adventure Georgia book. She's like, you've seen this before, haven't you? And she's like, oh, oh my, where did you get this? And Julia's like, it belonged to someone I knew, George. I, I was told he got it from you. And she's like, little George? He's not the one I gave it to. I gave it to his mother. I can't remember her name. And Julia's like, it's okay. And Gloria's like, she was one of us. And Julia's like, what do you mean one of us? She's like, I don't know you and I don't know what you want. Have you heard of the flame keepers? Julia's like, no. She's like, that's because they erased us. And she's like, who did? Glory's like the silo. They've been trying to, you know, since the rebellion. And that's when they put something in the water so memories would fade. They wanted to erase the past and anyone who tried to preserve it. And she's like, I don't understand. Who were the flame keepers? So this goes back to my original question. Has Gloria actually been out on the beach and then just forgot everything from the water? Like, is there something that's making them forget? And they think that they've been there for, you know, generations. So who are the flame keepers? Gloria's like the people who fought back, who kept things like the book to keep their memories alive. But I mean, if there's, there's three other names before Gloria, so probably not. And then Juliet's like, are you one of them? And Gloria's like, yes, I was until they put our flame out. Juliet's like, you said my dad stopped you from having a baby. And Gloria's like, they wanted us to die off. And she's like, what? They made us think that we had a chance of a family, but we never really did. And she's like, wait, and the doctors knew about this? They had to. They said that we were taking out our birth control, or they were taking out our birth control, but it was a lie. I figured it out after we failed our second lottery. It's like, Henry, my husband, he wasn't a flame keeper, and he wanted children so badly. And I knew he never had a chance with me, and he'd never go if I told him the truth. So I pushed him away. I ran into him once when he had his children, and he pretended not to know me. Seeing what they took from us, I could do it. I couldn't do it anymore. So I gave my most treasured relic to the last flame keeper I knew. And Julia's like, and that was George's mom? Yeah, her name was Anne, which is what's written in the book. She died not long after that. Her poor little boy had no one. And Gloria's, or Julia's like, when was the last time you saw him? Did he say anything to you about a hard drive? She's like, I kept tabs on George when he was growing up, but I lost track of him over the years. How is he? And there's a nurse, Julia's just like silent. And she's like, when? Julia's like, last year, he fell off the stairs and it wasn't an accident. So Gloria's like, this place, they may be keeping me drugged, but at least I can escape. Look at this. And she flips through the books, turns the beach page. She's like, water. They call it the ocean. I pictured myself there so many times, but I'll never know what it sounded like and how it smelled. So, okay. So I guess she wasn't really there. And then a baby starts fussing in her and Gloria's like, can, can I hold it? Juliet hands the baby to her and she like looks at her. Then she's like, you're Hannah Nichols' daughter. And Juliet's like, yeah, did you know her? She's like, I remember hearing her from 
about her from Anne. Julia's like, George's mom knew my mom? And Gloria's like, well, she was helping your mother with something. I can't remember what. It was some kind of magnifying device, which they uh, walk and mention that. And she's like, do you know, I was always really surprised that they let a woman like Hannah Nichols have children. And Julia's like, was my mom a flamekeeper? And Gloria's like, she, she shared the same curiosity. It was the one thing that they can never breed out of us. When I heard what happened to her, it really felt like we'd lost one of our own. So Juliet walks out into the hall. Dad asks, like, how is she? She's like, I'm taking her back. And he's like, well, it's not safe for you, Jules. And she's like, you're the last person I would ever trust to tell me what's safe. He's like, I would never put you in danger. But you would trick your patients to believing their birth control had been removed? He's like, I didn't have a choice. If I wanted to do this work to help people. And, and she's like, help? The only ones you're helping are the ones trying to breed people out. He's like, you have to understand. They, they need, you know, they never told me anything about that. When they came in, they just said that it was necessary for long-term survival to prevent genetic disease from running rampant. And Julia's like, but why lie to people? Why give them false hope? Did you ever think to question that? He's like, of course I did. I always wondered if somehow they wanted to punish the ones they picked. And Julia's like, and yet you just went along with whatever they said. He's like, there are consequences to asking questions. We both know that. I know you think I betrayed them. She's like, no, don't. She's like, clearly... She wasn't the only one that you betrayed. So one of the monitor dudes sees Juliet wheeling Gloria and a nurse is like, hey, what's going on? She's like, one of my deputies found her wandering around the stairs. So Sim's like, you said she didn't go back to Hildebrandt? And he's like, she didn't. Then how the hell do you explain that? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, find out where they came from now and stay on them. So Juliet tells a night nurse that she's going to escort her back to her room and file a report. In a room, Gloria asks if she can see it one more time. And the book, she was like, dude, don't take out the book now. Someone's going to walk in. And then she's like, you keep it safe. And Julia's like, yeah, I will. Or the, the Gloria's like, my flowers, they're gone. I remember now Sheriff Holston was here. And Julia's like, when? She's like, I don't know. Not long ago. He brought flowers and put them right there. And Julia's like, in front of the mirror? So Juliet walks up to the mirror and she thinks back to the mirror in her apartment and how the flower is with a broken vase. And then there was a note that says, double the flowers in front of the mirror, which when I, I was like, what the heck does that mean? So that was, uh, that was in a note in episode f uh, four in the file that Holston left on his desk. So she thinks about um, talking with Holston about, you know, finding the camcorder and with like, you know, with Georgia stuff. And she walks up to Gloria and she whispers, she's like, I think they can see us through the mirror. That's why Holson put flowers there. And she's like, what? She's like, they've got these devices like sensors outside. And I think they're watching us. Do you remember anything else when he was here? Anything he said? She's like, no, he wasn't here for very long. He spent most of his time working on that vent. So Juliet looks around and then she puts a blanket over the mirror. Sims is watching and dude's like, she blocked our view. He's like, shh. And they, they listen. So they, not only do they have camera, they also have microphones which is like really creepy and disturbing if they have this like in people's apartments too. So the other dude's like, what's she doing? The first was like, the problem is we only have audio. And then Sim's like, no, Diego. The problem is she knows there are cameras. So Gloria's like, what is it? What did you find? And Sim's like, send a Raiders now. And he like runs out. So Juliet, we see that she found a hard drive and she's like, I can't stay. They're going to be coming. So soldiers in the helmets... And like with batons are like marching down. 
Gloria's like, you're the last flame keeper now. And she's like, no. She's like, you didn't ask for it and it's not fair, but it's the way it is. It's down to you. If you let it die, the truth dies too. And Julia's like, I have to go. And Gloria's like, what would your mother want you to do? And she's like, I wish I could ask her, but I can't. She's like, no, you can't. But do you know why she killed herself? And Julia hears the soldiers enter. They walk down the hall. They enter Gloria's room. And she's sitting on a bed. And the dude's like, where is she? And that's where the episode ends. Oh, but the next episode is available. I'll talk about that next week. Oh, my goodness. This, this is crazy. What's, what the heck is going on? Right now, American-born Chinese. So these are the last two episodes of the season. Hopefully not the series. So season one, episode seven, Beyond Repair. This was weird. I, I'm, I'm still not fully sure the, the whole purpose of the Beyond Repair show. Because, you know, it, it's, it's showing us the stereotypes that happened. You know, because this is supposed to be a show from the 90s. It was a sitcom show. And, you know, we had this Asian actor and... It basically gets poked fun of everything. You know, he was he was a stereotype, and and you know his last name was Wong, and what could go wrong? And then you know he'd get hit in the head by something, and some big accident would happen. So it was the laugh at the expense of the Asian character. So this one, it, it's it's weird that they do this little segue. So we have Jamie, the the guy who played Freddie Wong in the nineties, and you know now he's teaching a class in like Shakespeare acting and everything. So he's standing on the on the the edge of a beyond repair set and he's like wow you know says that to himself this other actor from the show comes up and she's like yeah can you believe they got everything right even the, the carpet and blah you know all the stuff like that so it's basically like a, a reunion show supposed to be you know all the actors are sitting in like an actor chairs on the stage in front of an audience and there's this host and he says jamie he's like 30 years ago you introduced us to one of tv's most iconic characters and he's like you know, rumors are that, you know, they may be coming back and part of a new, you know, the, the new popularity that's surfaced online. You know, as Jamie admits that, you know, he's not on social media, so he's not really aware of this. And the host is like, oh, you become one of the, you know, top memes. And he's like, is that a good thing or something like that? So they run several video clips, in, including Jin's, like at, in the hallway when he's in the garbage can and smashes into the, the glass case. You know, all these people having accidents with like a fake ceiling fan landing on them. And then Jamie's saying, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? And the audience laughs, but Jamie's clearly not, you know. And then the host asks, he's like, what was it like playing such an... Un and the thing about the host, what gets me, he's wearing like a blazer and a shirt. But it, I don't know if he like needs to wear a tie. I, I feel like, you know, I don't normally wear ties. But if I was doing this, I would wear a tie. It just, I don't know, it just seems too... Rel I, I don't know, but it was just a little little thing that, that bugged me. So, so he asked, you know, what was it like playing such an unforgettable role for so many years? And then there's just like a long pause. And then we get the intro to the American-born Chinese show. Then... It cuts to outside the bowling alley. Jin asks Wei Chen, he's like, who is that guy? And he's like, he's the one attempting to the, the uprising. And, you know, he's my, my, my father's enemy, the bull demon. And Jin's like, that's his name, the bull demon? And Wei Chen's like, yeah. And now he has the iron staff. He's more dangerous than ever. So Jin can't believe that this whole thing is over his parents' pendant. And Wei Chen's like, that's what he wants in return from my father. But if I give it to him, then it's over. Heaven will lose the war. And Jin's like, yeah, but it's your dad. So it's, it's interesting, you know, yeah, that's the hard thing. It's like, do you save your dad or do you save, you know, countless millions or whatever? Wei Shen you know, stands up. He's, he's like, we need to go see Guanyin. You know, she'll know what to do next. 
So then we see Weishin's dad, Wukong, he's bound on his knees and he's like struggling to pull out like the broken piece of glass. It's like stick stuck in him or like mirror or whatever it is. Mo Wang says that he's like, oh, I'm sure that must hurt. You know, the glass shard was forged in DU or something like that, the underworld. And the longer it remains in him, the more it pulls his soul apart. Uh, Jigon is just like standing behind him, like drinking. Wukong is like, I thought you wanted an uprising, not just to settle some old score. And Jigong's like, why not both? <laughs> he's my favorite character. And then he, he uh, Wukong, yeah, Wukong, <laughs> I keep getting names mixed up. He's like, you have the staff, isn't that enough? And Bull Demon's like, oh, it's enough. You'll see. One more day. And he's like, Mawang, don't do this. This isn't who you are. And Wukong's like, you don't get to tell me who I am. You have no idea who I am. And he like knocks him over and he puts his foot on the broken shard like to push down. And then they just turn off the lights and they, they leave the room. It's like this old, like, you know, grimy, dirty, you know, busted up room. Guan Yin's making some tea. Wei Shen runs in saying something happened. And she's like, aren't you going to introduce me to your friend? So she, like, offers tea. And then Jin's, he's like, no, thanks. And then he's quickly, he's like, "Uh, yes, please. Thank you very much. You know, because it's a polite thing to do, even though he doesn't want it. Wei Shen tells her what happened at the bowling alley. Uh, Muang said that he has only one day to bring him the fourth scroll. And so he's like, where's the pendant? And Guan Yin's like, uh, I'm afraid that won't help either. It turns out the pendant is not the fourth scroll. So Wei Shen is like confused because of the prophecy. And she says that they were just stones. Jin's like, but the bad guys don't know that. You know, we, so they can still use them to get Wei Shen's dad back. Guan Yin's like, unfortunately, I no longer have the pendant. And Jin's like, where is it? And she's like, a dog ate it. And he's like, what? She's like, it was a weird day. Wei Shen says that they must call for help then. Pigsy, Sandy, and, and Neza. Guan Yin said that they're needed in heaven to protect the Jade Emperor from the allies of New Muang. Wei Shen says, well, we have to do something. You said you'd support me. And he kind of sounds like a baby. And she's like, and I have. I've supported your quest to follow your dreams. I never promised that they would come true. Not all dreams do. So it's time for us to go home. And Jin, you should go home too. So Jin's like... Well, you know, well, what about, you know, his dad and all the stuff going up in heaven? Because you know, he wants to help. He's like, please. Wei Shen's like, no, Jin. She's right. It's too dangerous. He's like, thank you. You were a good guide. And he's like, no, I wasn't. He's like, I didn't guide you to anything. He's like, sorry, Wei Shen. And then he just leaves. Ji Gong opens the door where Wukong is. He like staggers and he puts on a bucket bowl of rice. Wukong's like, Wukong may be lost forever, but you aren't. Help me escape and I'll bring you back. Jigong thinks for a second, just kind of scoffs, and he just closes the door. So it's almost like, wait, is he going to help him? But he doesn't. Guan Yin asks Wei Chen, he's like, are you ready? And then he's like, I'm staying. He's like, with or without the fourth scroll, I will rescue you, my father. And she's like, you remind me so much of him, so sure of yourself. But confidence can be a dangerous thing, too. He's like, I believe in my dream. I believe the answer will reveal itself when I need it. And she's like, if you choose this path, you do it alone. Do you think anyone in heaven would want that coffee table? And she's like, don't answer that. <laughs> so it's like, is she going to take the coffee table? Because she, you know, she was so happy that she made it, the Ikea table. Uh, Jin is lying in bed. The next day, mom drives him. He tries texting Wei Chen to see if he's okay. Mom tells him that daddy's picking him up from school today because she's going to visit um, his, his auntie Elaine. And Jin's like, in Sacramento? And she's like, just for a couple days. And she says that she left some veggies and fried rice in the fridge. And she's like, don't forget trash on Monday. He's like, I thought you said you were only going for a couple days. And then she just kind of like nods without looking at him. He's like, mom, what's going on? 
She's like, I just need some time. That's all. And then he's like, are you and dad splitting up? And she's like, ah, don't make such a fuss before school. But she doesn't answer. So he walks the hall. Coach comes up to him and says that Brendan got food poisoning last night. It's just toilet stuff. So <laughs> toilet stuff. So he'll be out for a few days. That's some, a few days. That's some serious food poisoning. I mean, I thank thank the Lord, thank the whoever. Um, I got nothing to knock on. Where's some, some wood? <laughs> uh, I've never had food poisoning, but a couple days out of commission. That's that's uh, hardcore. Um, so he's like, he tells Jane that he's starting midfield tomorrow. And he's like, tomorrow? Coach is like, it's the biggest game of the season. He's like, I thought you'd be more excited. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then he walks around the corner and he like runs into Emily. And she's like, everyone's still talking about the party. He's like, you know, maybe we can make it a regular thing. He's like, my birthday? She's like, no, bowling. And then she's like, are you all right? And he's like, you know, he's like, yeah. She's, she's like, seriously, everything okay? He starts saying it's his parents. And then there's like this commotion in the hall, big crane mascot, you know, with a dude with a snare drum and a cheerleader behind her. They're walking down the hall. Jen tries explaining the car ride and, and the mascot bumps into him and he's like, watch it. And the, the mascot turns around. He's like, high five. And boop, boops him like in the head. And then Jen like shoves him, like, you know, smashing him against the locker. And Amelia is kind of surprised. The principal happens to come up too. And she stupidly says, Jen, my office now. But it's like, okay, principal, did you see the whole thing? Because he bumped into him and then he, he, it's one thing. Okay, he accidentally bumped him. Fine. But then to turn around, to boop him in the head, to touch him, that, he invaded his space. So then Jin's waiting outside her office and like in a hall. He gets a call from Anuj. He's like, hey, have you seen it yet? He's like, seen what? So Anuj is in class. He's like, you're on TV. He's like, I just sent it to you. He's like, click the link. So it cuts back to Jamie from the beginning. Jamie being asked what it was like to play the role for so many years. And uh, Jamie's like, back in those days, people who look like me weren't on television. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I still am. I mean, Freddie Wong bought me a duplex. There's audience laughs. And the host's like, it's ironic that you became a landlord. And he's like, is that why you walked away from acting? And he's like, I actually bought it for my parents. But I didn't walk away from acting. I just walked away from Hollywood. So he says that when the show ended, he thought opportunities would open up the way it did for a lot of people. The only parts he got offered were nerds and neighbors and, and sometimes ninjas. The host asked him, like, what kind of roles was he looking for at the time? And he said, he's like, I want to be, I want to play the hero. It's every kid's dream, right? And the host like, you never got called. But then he mentions that, you know, he teaches classical theater to college kids and they talk about like character a lot. He's like, when I said I wanted to play a hero... I mean, I just wanted to be someone who goes on a journey show, you know, show some courage, helps others. You know, a hero can be someone with superpowers or they can just be someone who fights for something that matters. And he like his voice kind of shakes a little bit. He's like, my parents were heroes. But like I said, people like that weren't on TV back then. And the crowd's just like silent. And the host's like, well, hopefully that's changing. And Jamie almost whispers. He's like, I hope so. And I hope that there's a kid out there watching this who feels he doesn't have to be a punchline who believes that he can be the hero. Okay, so is that the whole point of this? Is this meant for Jin to see this, to think that he can be the hero? I mean, I guess. I mean, obviously. But it just seems seems like a big roundabout way you know, to, to do all this setup. And I, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I you know, The actor is great that, that played Jamie, Freddie. 
Uh, Jin's been watching this. His mom and dad are, are there. The principal opens the door with a smile to greet them. And inside, she's like, this is Jin's second altercation this year. A, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he tackled a fellow. It's like it was more than a couple of weeks. You know, because Jane or Wei Shen was gone for a month, supposedly. So she's like, a couple of weeks ago, he tackled a fellow member of the soccer team. So dad apologized. He's like, this is not like our son. And she's like, well, you know, in my experience, these kinds of incidents tend to indicate something's going on at home. So have there been any, any recent changes? And the mom's like, no, everything's normal. And then she's like, maybe it's because he is having puberty. And she's like, mom. And she's like, you are. It's okay. He's like, oh, my God. The principal asks if Jin spends a lot of time with mom, you know, because she she read that in their community, sometimes kids like Jin are starved for more attention. And she also read that quote, and she's like, um, families like yours are very achievement based, which is good up to a point. So mom's like, I'm confused. So the principal pulls out this like laminated card and it's like plot. She's like, and she's like, just reads it to him like they're they're idiots. Pay attention, look for nonverbal cues, uh, offer feedback. Take you know, so, so P's play pay attention. L's look for nonverbal cubes. O is for offer feedback. The T is for take turns responding. And she's like, she says it, it's a cultural sensitivity strategy that she recently picked up at a conference. And mom's like, I give Jin lots of attention, and I also push him. And she thinks that it's a good balance. And principal's like, um, with all due respect, I don't think it is a good balance because your son is acting out. The mom's like, well, sometimes kids act out. So and then she like cuts her off. She said, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what is actually going on here. And she's like, Jin is a teenager. I think that is what's going on. And the principal was like, this feels different. And dad's like, because our son is different, because our family is different. My wife is tough on my son because she believes in him. She pushes him because she knows he can take it. We are achievement based because we have to be. I'm not defending Jin's behavior. But yes, we are dealing with some issues at home. And I'm sorry, but your books and your card has nothing to do with us. And you should know, my wife is the best mother you will ever meet. And she's like, Mr. Wang, I'm, he like scoffs. He's like, if you were really paying attention, you would know that our last name is not Wang, it's Wong. And she's like, hmm, I feel good. I feel very good about this. And she like kind of like slaps the book. So she's so oblivious to what's going on. Muang opens the door. Wukong is lying on the ground. He's breathing. He's, he's all shaky. So Muang's like, looks like your boy's not coming after all. It's a shame. And he grabs his wrist and he just drags him out. Ji Gong is like sitting on a couch. Wukong says to Muang, he's like, there's something you should know. He's like, oh yeah? He's like, please enlighten me. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, what did you just say? And he, he's like, I'm sorry. I failed you when you needed me most. I left you. And uh, Muang's like, I always knew that you were a shapeshifter, but the day you took everything, I realized I was the one who needed a change. And that is what I did. So you don't need to apologize. In many ways, you made me who I am today. And then there's like kind of some laughter and Wei Shen is there. So Jin and his parents walk out of the principal's office. Mom tells Jin that they'll talk about this later tonight. Jin says that he thought that she was going to Auntie Elaine's for a few days. And then there's just like silence from both parents. The bell rings, dad's like, get to class. And then the mom walks off. So Muang asks, you know, where's the pendant? And Wei Shen says, he's like, I want my father first. And he's like, that's not how this works. Ji Gong is like, stop messing around, kid. Just show us the bling. And then uh, Muang's like, you don't have it, do you? Is there even a fourth scroll at all? And Wei Shen's like, I'm not here to talk about the fourth scroll. So you took the staff, 
came down to earth and caused all of this, and you still have no idea if this thing even exists? Wow. And the Wukong is like, you must be so proud of your son. And then the Wei Chen, he's like, now, don't be ashamed. You know how your dad got the staff? He stole it. That's right. He's no better than any of us. And now that I know you have nothing to offer, there's no reason for me not to kill you both. He takes out and extends the staff, and Wei Chen like lunges at him with like a metal pipe. They start fighting. Um, he gives some good moves, but you know he gets a pipe knocked out of his hand. He gets hit by the staff, gets slammed against the wall. And he gets up, and he, then he gets like pinned against a pillar. So Jin's parents walk in the school parking lot. They have like separate cars, obviously, because they drove to her separately. Then she asks if he's going back to the office. He's like, mm-hmm. And he's like, you leaving for your sisters? She's like, I don't know. And then she's like, thank you for what she said in the office. That was nice. Thank you. She turns and then she starts crying. And he stands at his car and he doesn't go to her. He's just like, why are you crying? She's like, I want our son to be successful, but I'm failing my own life. He's like, you're not failing. She's like, I'm borrowing money from my younger sister. He's like, you asked me once what happened to the guy you married, but what happened to the girl I married? The girl who loved singing, the girl who laughed at the top of her lungs, the girl who was so bold she came here with nothing. And she's like, she turned into a housewife and a church lady. She drives a station wagon and I got lost in house chores and then gave all your money to an old herbalist. That old herbalist believed in me and it felt good. I have to buy groceries. And she goes to leave. So Mu Wang's like, you really think you can challenge me when I have the Jingu Bong, the staff? And Wei Shen's like, you may hold it but you're in your hands, but you will never know how to use it like my father. He's like, you're right. I have much bigger plans for it. And he's like, one last chance. Join us or die trying to be a hero. Then Ji Gong delivers a flying kick at Mu Wang. And he you know, knocks him over his back foot. He picks up the staff. And he's like, you already have Wukong. You don't need to hurt the boy. Uh, Mu Wang's like, look who finally sobered up. And he, he like walks up, putting his like chest against the end of the staff. And then he's like, do it. And Ji Gong grunts. grunts um, the staff like glows. And then flies to Mu Wang's hand. And he, he grabs uh, Ji Gong and then sends him flying up. Hits a, he hits a pipe on the ceiling. Wukong is like still breathing like heavily. Wei Chen helps him up. Mu Wang tells Ji Gong that he's the one who wasted his time on a fourth scroll with stupid you know paintings. And he somehow set each one. Uh, uh, he's with the staff. He's like whoosh, whoosh. The paintings are, are going on fire. He's like, no, Ji Gong tries stopping him. Then he, he delivers like this massive blow to Ji Gong, sending him spinning across the room. He sets the last one on fire. Then he looks at Wukong and Wei Shen. And Wukong like slams his fist against Wei Shen's um, chest, sending him flying across the room. Wu Wang blasts Wukong. <laughs> okay, right? I think I think I hope I can get these names right. Wei Shen goes like uh, flying to, you know, he goes up to his dad. He doesn't go flying. He goes up to his dad. Jigong like stops him. Muang hits him again. Jigong forces Wei Chen like out of the room. He's like, "You can't save him." He's like, "Save yourself!" And he hands him like some like big beads or something like that. Jigong like runs off. Wei Chen starts to go back, but then this like kind of blast caves in part of the room. So Wei Chen looks at the beads and then he runs. So the room kind of caved in, and uh, that might be the end of his dad. That's the end of the seventh episode, at least. So episode one away, the fourth scroll. So the Beyond Repair opening, but with Jin as uh, the white fix-it dude talking to Freddie Wong. And so it's like the actual, actual Freddie Wong guy. Um, Jin mentions that the fridge is busted. The whole place is going bad, just like his life. And Freddie's like, what's going on? 
And Jin says that his parents' marriage is crumbling and he completely failed to help his friend Wei Shen on his quest to find a fourth scroll. And he's like, why? What happened? And Jin's like, I guess I was scared. You know, he's like, he thought I was going to be his guide and lead him to his destiny, but I wasn't and I didn't. Then Jin's parents are sitting at a tiny table, like in the same room. And his mom calls Jin to come have dinner. Anuj comes in, walks in the door. He's like, can you fix a washing machine? He's like, I I'm down to my last two clean socks. And they're like mismatched. I think it's like yellow and blue or something like that. Then Guanyin is there in a fancy gown and like a headpiece. And she says she must speak to him about an urgent matter of life and death. He's like, what's going on? She's like, today is Quifen, the autumn equinox, the day when heaven and earth are perfectly in balance and the gate between them opens for just a moment. So Freddy's like, which means Bull Demon can finally complete his uprising. And she's like, and you must stop him or everyone will perish. And Jin's like, I need to stop him? She's like, remember, power comes from within. It flows from the core. And he's like, sorry, I think you got the wrong guy. And she's like, Jin, a hero doesn't always have to have superpowers. A hero is someone who goes on a journey, shows courage, helps other. And Nuj says, and fixes the washing machine. And dad's like, Jin, it's dinner time. So Guanyin's like, remember, tonight's soccer game carries epic consequences. The audience is like, ooh. <laughs> then Freddy's like, found it and he holds up the action figure from Wei Shen he's like I think this is what's been causing all the problem and Guanyin's like everything is more connected than you think then Jin wakes up with a gasp and he looks at his desk sees a figure there at school Travis and a couple others like thank Jin for ghosting them on game day because you know he's like walking to front of school the other's like you're supposed to you know we're supposed to wear jerseys and the second dude's like you know tonight's a game it has epic consequences and then Jin kind of snaps out he's like what did you say He's like, it's a qualifier. He's like, right. Have any of you guys seen Wei Chen? They're like, no. Inside, Jin tries texting Wei Chen. And he's like, hey, where are you? In bio class, he's staring at his text screen waiting for a reply. Amelia turns around. She's like, hey. And he's like, hey. And then he looks back at his phone. And she's just like, dude, what the heck? Teacher mentions uh, today's autumn equinox, just like in his dream. You know, which, of course, means gravitational balance. He's like, but did you know that today is the one day of the year you can balance an egg perfectly on its end? Later, Jin goes to the cosplay room to talk to Anuj. He said, you know, Anuj is like, it's not a great time. You're working on tonight's performance for Kugo Ren saga. And Jin's like, you're doing Kugo Ren? So out in the hall, he tells Anuj that the characters from Cougar Ren are real. And he scoffs. He's like, yeah, okay. And Jin's like, I can't explain it, but there's a whole nother world out there. And he's like, and why are you telling me this? Jin's like, I had a dream last night and everything in it is weirdly coming true. Like like the, the shirt. It's like, I knew you were going to wear that today. And he's, and he's like, dude, I wear the shirt a lot. And Jin's like, okay, well, in my dream, you're also wearing mismatching socks, blue on the right and yellow on the left. He pulls up his pant legs and he, and he's like, okay, that's pretty weird. And Jin's like, if my dream is a warning, and I think it is, it means something bad is going to happen today. Like, really bad. But I don't know what. And I, all I know is we have to find Wei Shen and stop it. He's like, okay, honestly, I don't know what to believe, but I've never seen you this passionate about anything. So I'm in. Mom is uh, changing Jin's bed sheets and cleaning his room. She finds his birthday bag with a hot stuff sweatshirt. She smiles and she keeps looking inside and she finds Wei Chen's like gift and she opens a box. It's like, really? Seriously? And she sees her powder and it's like, she's pretty nosy. So she, you know, she I don't know if she's mad or whatever. She, she sees that the powder is in there. Dad comes home. He says that he left work early. He's like, I told my boss I needed the day to do something important with my wife. And she's like, do what? He's like, we're going to get your pendant back. 
Jin and Anuj go to Wei Shen's apartment. He calls to him. Um, you know, he's sitting with his back to them in, in a chair. And Jin's like, are you all right? He turns around and he's like in his, his monkey-ish form. And they like, they, like they scream. <laughs> and he's like, he's gone. And Jin's like, no, listen. He's like, we're going to get your dad back. He's like, no, Jin. I had a stupid dream. I thought I could keep my staff away from Bull Demon. But I just got my father stabbed by a magic mirror. And Jin's like, sorry, Wei Chen. He's like, I had a dream too. Guan Yin came to see me. She said the Bull Demon is here. And he's going to carry out his uprising unless I can stop it. And Wei Chen's like, what's he planning to do? I have no idea. And Anuj like, Phantom Fury 17. And Jin's like, what? Anuj like, in Phantom Fury 17, the villain stabs Monkey Lord with a magic mirror and steals his staff. And Wei Shen's like, you saw that in a comic? And Anuj is like, yeah, your dad is Sun Wukong, right? Like the Monkey King? And Wei Shen's like, you know him? And Anuj is like, like, yeah, dude, everybody knows him. Cougar Ren isn't the only comic based on him. Starzinger, Dragon Ball, Mega Man... And uh, there's like eight different comic books where the villain steals the Monkey King's magic staff to sort out some sort of evil plan. So Wei Chen's like, do you think the Bull Demon's plan is hidden in manga? And Anuj is like, maybe everything is more connected than we think. And Jin's like, we need to see those comics. Jin's parents go to the restaurant. Dad asks uh, the, like the one dude that was sitting at the table before when, when they first got there. Um, when... Uh, Jin and Wei Chen. Dad asks if, if anyone found the jewelry that they lost the other night. And like right away, he's like, sorry, it's not here. So they both try talking some more and he just like dismisses them. And he's like, if you're not eating, please leave. And then he's like, hey, that is my wife. Have a little respect. And the, the dude's like, why? You didn't. The other night, screaming at each other like drunk idiots. He's like, I remember you too. So his dad's like, I want to talk to your manager, Mr. Gong. And he's like, Gong's not the manager. He's a busboy. He never showed up today, so he's fired. And I know that because I'm the manager. So they leave. Um, they have, you know, they're, they're kind of upset or whatever. They, they go down the escalator, but then Simon, the dad, he sees like this do door like in the back behind the escalators. So they go down some stairs. They're in the basement. They talk about how it like, smells like burnt chemicals. It kind of reminds them of their first apartment. Then they get, they, they get startled because they see like a body laying there. So Simon lifts a blanket and sees it. it's Wukong. It's, it's Wei Shen's dad. And he, he's just laying there. And then he coughs, so he's still alive. Anuj explains, you know, they have a bunch of comics and everything. He explains that the, the comic stories, he's, he's explaining them to Jin and Wei Shen. He mentions the gate between Earth and Heaven opening during an equinox. Anuj also mentions the Mole Man in Fantastic Four because he did something similar. Jin says, and he destroys all these nuclear power plants by attacking them from below. So Nu says it's called an uprising in Cougar Run 57. The bull demon plants a staff in a field, extends it down into the earth's core, harnessing the power of the whole world. And Jin's like, Guan Yin said that the power comes from within. It flows from the core. So Wei Shen's like, he's going to use your world to destroy mine. And Jin's like, we got to get to the soccer game. But it can't be that hard to find a guy wearing a cheesy leather jacket and a stupid nose ring. And Anuja's like, unless he shapeshifted... So Wukong asks Jim's parents for water. Uh, he drinks from mom's thermos. And he's like, what is it? And she's like, oh, it's just hot water and some healthy stuff. Dad's like, it's wildfire, wildflower herbal powder. She owns a business. Wukong tries getting up. And he says he needs to go. And dad tells him, he's like, drink some more. And mom's like, do you want us to call for help? And he's like, no, whatever. He, he says his son ran away from home. He had to help him. Dad's like, oh, it must be terrible to, to find him in a place like this. And he's like, yeah, but it wasn't my fault. I tried to keep him from making the same stupid mistakes I made, but I pushed him away. Children are like mirrors, but sometimes it's hard to look. Mm. 
him. <laughs> he says that he feels better, and she tells him to keep the bottle. You know, it, it gives strength and energy, and she gives him like the the rest of the bottle, the, uh, the powder that Wei Chen had blessed by Guanyin. So maybe that's going to help him. In the car, Dad said it's heartbreaking to see someone you know like that with nothing, and she says that his son is probably on drugs. And he says that, you know, he was right. Children are like mirror. You know, he looks at Jin. He hopes he's all right. He knows he'll be okay. And then she's like, we should go to his game. The principal is talking to Mike before the game starts. The Climate Club has some presentation. Uh, Jin, Weishan, and Anuj arrived. Amelia and Ru Ruby, walk, her friend Ruby, walk up to them. Ruby congratulates Jin on starting. and um, But he's like busy kind of scanning the crowd for anyone suspicious. And then she tells him to be careful out there and... That gets his attention. He's like, why? And she's like, uh, you know, cause revenge. And then Jin looks at the other two and she continues and she's like, you're playing, you know, we're playing our rivals. And the dude's like, oh, you know, right. Totally. You know, sports. <laughs> then Ruby's like, anyways, Amelia wanted to say something. And she asked Jin if she can talk to him real quick. He's like, uh, right now. And she's like, yeah, it'll just take a second. Wei Chen's like, yes, he can, because everything is normal. And then he whispers and he's like, keep looking. So he says, you know, sorry, he's got a lot going on. And she just says, you remember at the beginning of the year when you asked me to hang out and I said we could be buds? He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, listen, I, I totally ready. Like, I'm totally fine. And she like, you know, chuckles. And she's like, well, I, I'm not. And he's like, oh. She's like, I feel like we've hung out a lot since then and, you know, got to know each other better. And we were lab partners and you came to my house and I don't know everything that's going on with your family, but I just feel like lately you've kind of been dodging me. He's like, no, no. Um, and she's like, I just, I keep trying to find a, the right words to like draw you out to get to the real you. And I, and he's like, my God, that's it. We have to draw him out. That's what we have to do. And she's like, see, I feel like you're doing it right now. You, you get distracted or something. She's like, look, what I'm trying to say is, you're kind of the only person that can really be myself around. And I want to hang out with you some more, not as buds. And a coach calls him from the other side of the fence. And he's like, Jin, I don't know if you heard, but there's a soccer game tonight. He's like, oh yeah, I'll be right there. And to Amelia, he's like, I should go. And she's like, yeah, okay. And then he just like walks away and she looks so bummed. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And then he comes back and they smooch. He's like, we'll talk later. And she's like, yeah. And she smiles and he runs off. Whew. If he survives this. Wei Shen, if the world doesn't, if they don't all die. Wei Shen says it's starting. And the clouds are starting to swirl up above. He tells Anu, she's like, there's something I probably should have told you. My father's staff is very powerful. If Muang succeeds, everyone here will probably die. Anu looks at him. He's like, yeah, dude, you definitely should have told us that earlier. Jin comes up and asks if they found anything. Anu mentions the portal opening and how everyone could die. Jin then sees his parents in the stands. He's like, oh, no. Then he's like, where's the, the cosplay club getting ready? And then uh, he, Anuj is like, did you hear anything I said? He's like, yeah, I think I know how to find him. So they, they go and Anuj tells them, he's like, change your plan. There's this girl. And he's like, he's like, we're going to need that dress. And she's like, bummed, whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's like a dress like what uh, Guanyin would, would wear. The principal announces the cosplay club um, is, is going to do something. So Anuj announces bull demon stealing the staff and mounting an uprising on the eve of the attack the goddess of mercy confronts him the curtains fall Jin is the bull demon with a news wearing a dress people are like laughing and cheering Anuj has like a jacket and like you know, horns and stuff and then like a nose ring fake nose ring Anuj yells out bull demon 
and he's like, he says that the uprising won't work, so surrender now. And Jin's like, uh, it's too late. No one can stop my plan of destruction. Once I plant a staff in the ground, everyone here will die. The principal is like getting into the drama, and Jin's dad's like, I thought he was playing soccer. <laughs> Jin goes to attack Anuj with the staff, and Anuj holds up a mirror. He's like, what do you see? Tell me. He's like, oh, uh, no, I, I see I see a supervillain who's fueled by revenge and will stop at nothing to control the world, even if it means he's going to destroy it. The crowd like boos. He's like, and I see um, a sad, lonely little bull. Actually, I see someone who's obsessed with what other people think about him. Honestly, I see a guy who doesn't really like himself that much. I see someone who doesn't want to show the world who he is because he's afraid that if other people saw who he really was, they'd just laugh at him. Or worse, they just wouldn't care. And there's a shot of like Travis and the other two soccer bros are like, whoa. And he's like, and Jin's like, and that makes him sad. And sometimes it makes him hurt people that he really cares about. And he looks at Amelia in the stands. So it's like he's kind of confessing, whatever, sort of. He's like, and the worst part is he doesn't know why. He just feels that way. He just does, but maybe it's not too late. Maybe he could just drop the act. Maybe he could just go back to heaven right now and make things right before anyone else gets hurt. The crowd's just like silent. He's like, maybe? Wei Shen nods to Jin. Jin continues. He's like, yeah, or uh, maybe not. Honestly, because at the end of the day, I'm still just like a, a weak, dumb, whiny little cow baby. And everybody knows it, right? He's like, guys, I have seven brothers. Every single one of them is cooler, smarter, and better looking than I am. I try to cover up all these unresolved insecurity. And people, including the soccer bros, are like laughing. He's like, I cover up with this stupid looking leather jacket and this dumb nose ring from like the 1990s. And the bio teacher's like looking around with a frown. He's like, what? He, does he have a nose ring? He doesn't. Why does he care? Maybe he wore one before. And he's like, and I have this goatee that looks like someone chopped the butt off a goat and stuck it in my face. And then we see the real bio teacher is lying on the floor in his classroom. Uh-huh. He, and Jin's like, but nobody's buying it because at the end of the day, everybody can tell how hard I'm trying. So the fake bio teacher gets up. Jin's like, I'm just so puffed up. I was like, I, it looks like I'm just like full of like cow farts. And if you pull my nose ring, it all comes out. So the fake teacher runs down to bleachers, does this huge leap in the air towards the stage. Like it, it's like at the end of the field, the crowd gasps. And he pulls out the staff and extends it. Wei Shen pulls a curtain and he like strikes, like tackles him. The crowd gasps and laughs. The principal laughs thinking that the bio teacher is involved with the show. Wei Chen gets knocked back and an actual bull demon stands up. So both are in their true like animalish forms. Wei Shen lets uh, the beads drop down. So it's like, you know, they're big, long, it's almost like a whip or something like that. The fight goes on, crowds cheering, including the principal. And Travis like, watch out. <laughs> so Travis is like getting into it. Anuj is like, it's opening because with the, the portal. So uh, Wei Chen gets flung back into the scenery and it gets knocked over. And the coach is like, you kids okay? And the principal is like, shh. She's like shushing him. Wu Wang slams the staff down in the middle of the field. The ground's like a little cracked and there's like some bright lights that are shining through. The crowd gasps at the lights and in the sky and the ground. The coach is like, what the hell are these kids doing? The principal just screams like, it's so cool. It's like so much better than last year. Wu Wang looks at the uh, at the staff and, and the light growing. Wei Chen like runs and knocks him down. He runs to the staff, but then Wu Wang grabs him and flings him back. Then he leaps up at Wei Chen and one of the soccer bros like, are they flying? And Travis like, I guess. He's like excited. Now they're like levitating the air. They're staring at each other. Wei Chen, uh, you know, dives to the staff, but somehow gets intercepted. The coach is like, how are they doing that? The principal is like, Anuja's parents are loaded. 
So if the fight continues in the air, energy and light cackles around, crackles around, around the, the, the staff. Jin uh, throws like a, a tripod at it with like no luck. And Anuj like throws a folding chair and nothing happens. They're just, like trying to knock the staff down. Wei Chen tackles Muang. Then they're flying. Then he heads like towards the staff, but Muang grabs him again, puts him like a chokehold, tells Wei Chen that, you know, he, he wants him to, to see this. So Anuj is like, it's about to blow and he like runs. Jin starts, but then he sees his parents and he stops. Then he thinks back to his dream and the Beyond Repair show. Mom tells him to come to dinner and he, uh, he sits and mom's like, you have to be brave, Jin. And he's like, what if I'm not though? She's like, you know who you are. You are worlds crashing into each other. You are all the pieces merging into one. You're making everything we ever hoped for. And he's like, none of it makes sense, mom. And she's like, and that's okay. I wish you knew how much strength you have inside you. You have to unlock it. He's like, I don't know how. And dad's like, just be you, Jin. Just be you. So Jin stands in the field. He turns around. He runs the staff. Wei Shen screams his name. Jin leaps towards it. Somehow jumps over as it explodes. The blast sends him back. And he like, like um, it splits up like Wei Shen and Wong. And Wei Shen is like in his human form. He runs to Jin. He's lying on the ground. Jin wakes up with a gasp. And he sees Muang going for the staff. And then it like flies up into Wukong's hand. He knocks Muang down and pins him with the staff. Wei Chen's like, Father, you're alive. And Mandarin, you know, his dad's like, you were right. You found a fourth scroll. And he's like, uh, Wei Chen's like, Jin, you are the fourth scroll. And then he yells it out to Nuj. Anuj uh, turns to the bleachers like, he is a fourth scroll. And the crowd cheers. <laughs> and Travis is like, yeah, he's a freaking fourth scroll. <laughs> It's like they don't even do they even know what's going on, and the principal is clapping. The coach is like, "Can we start the game now?" So they're all cheering for Jin. Later, Anuj drops Jin off. He's like, "Dude, that was insane." He's like, "I know," and Anuj's like, "I can't believe you kissed Amelia." And Jin's like, "I'll call you in the morning." Then there's like a whooshing behind him, and Wei Shen is there. Jin's asks him, "You know, it's like, where were you? You just disappeared." He's like, "My father took Muang to face the Jade Emperor, and I asked him if I could say goodbye." And Jin's like, well, your dream came true. You stopped the uprising. And Wei Shen's like, no, you did. You saved my home. And Jin's like, I still don't know how he did that. And Wei Shen's like, neither do I, but I'm going to find out. And Jin's like, will I ever see you again? And Wei Shen's like, I hope so. You are my best friend. Gives Jin a hug. He's like, bye, Jin. Bye, Wei Shen. Whoosh. Inside, he calls out the mom and dad. The lights flicker. And there's this lady sitting on the sofa. I think it might be Princess Iron Fan. So I, I think she was listening to credits and he's like, who are you? And she's like, I've been wanting to ask you the same thing, but I got my answer tonight. That's why you're coming with me. And Mandarin, she's like, if you want to see your parents again. And Jin just looks, looks, looks at her. Then he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, can you say it again slower? My Chinese isn't super good. Fade to black. That's the end of the show. So at this point, uh, there's there's no word. It hasn't been renewed for a second season, and um, you know we got a bit of, bit of a cliffhanger there. I just like I said, I don't know if anyone's been talking about this. I don't know who's been watching this. I I've said it before. I said it many times. I really think dropping all episodes at once harms the show because it's out there. People forget about it. You know what? Even if people binge it or they may start watching it, then maybe they forget. Or maybe they do watch it all, and, and then you know they, they don't talk about it. <sighs> so I, I I just I think the show had a lot of heart. I mean, it, it was fun, but I just think it's it's so easy for it to be overlooked. So I mean I don't know how much advertising it had. 
So fingers crossed. I, I, I hope we get more. Okay, now the crowded room. So this is a new show on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. And um, so as of now, I believe four episodes are out. So the first week, three episodes dropped. Because of everything that I'm covering and, and stuff like that, I'm only going to do two of the first two episodes now. And it actually ends on a pretty, pretty nice cliffhanger that, you know, I, I kind of actually waited before watching the, the, the third one. So next week, I'm going to try to do three and four. We'll do that. And then I should do like one uh, every week until I think it's like 10 episodes. So it's with Tom Holland and, and Amanda Seyfried. And um, it's interesting because I try not re you reading too much about this. And I think it's based session I, I don't want to say too much because I think it's based off of like, an actual like real life thing and reading what the because the, at the beginning it's like based off the book whatever and reading what that is about it's like wait this is is this a spoiler for what's happening in the show because uh, right, right now there's there's no no hint of that so I don't want to really get into that so episode uh, one Exodus so we see Danny Sullivan Tom Holland he's like riding a subway um, he has something in a paper bag, and he's very protective of it. This this other lady like um, tells him not to keep looking at it, and she says that he doesn't have to do this. And he's like, "No, we're doing it." So they get to the Rockefeller exit, and and he says to her, um, "He's like, you know, he's not going to hurt anyone anymore, right?" So it's clearly he has a gun in the bag, and like the way he's holding is like so obvious. He's like, it's all scrunched up. It's like it, it looks like it almost looks like a gun shaped bag. So he's like the way he's carrying this. So they they walk, and then they're across the street from this like office building. And then the, the the girl she sees this guy, and she tells Danny, she's like, don't turn around. And they're kind of looking like in a glass case, you know, like the reflection. She says that she knows that the way he goes, so they follow. He's and he's again, he's like probably making obvious what's in the bag. So she tells him they'll split up. She'll cut him off. And he'll know what to do. So he takes the gun out of the back, throws on the back. He's walking with the gun in his hand. It's like, dude. <laughs> so they're following this guy. And then he yells at him, stop. And he holds up the gun. And the dude turns around. And he freezes. Now, here's the thing. I should go back. Because I'm not fully clear who. I don't know if they showed this, this guy's face or not. Because I have no idea who this was. Because it, it, it could be whatever. So he like freezes, and then the the girl's like 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 Danny, Danny, shoot, come on! And, but it's like broad daylight, and there's people around. So she grabs a gun, and the dude starts running. So she shoots, and it goes over his head. People start screaming. She keeps like shooting and missing, and I think she like she might have hit someone, in whatever. And then she hits a guy in the shoulder, and she's like out of bullets. So she throws down the gun, and she's like chasing the guy. Danny finally moves. He picks up the gun, and then the police arrive, and they tell him to freeze. And, you know, like, stop. But he, he he runs. He makes it home, I guess. He walks to some building. And then this dude comes down the stairs. And Danny, like, you know, gets scared. Points an empty gun at him. And the dude's like, where's Ariana? And Danny whispers, like, something happened. And the dude's like, he, like, slams against the wall. He's like, what did you do? He's like, I, I didn't mean to. She made me. He's like, I'm sorry. And the dude gives him, like, some passports and a roll of cash. He's like, go. Go find your father. So it's like, what does all that mean? So later, the police arrive. They yelled, um, you know, come out uh, of the house. And, and he comes out with his hands up. So the police detective talked to Rhea Goodwin, who's Amanda Seyfried. Um, they talk about, like, glass flying. You know, guy got winged. The lady got hit in the leg. The, the kid is uh, a, little, like, a little good luck shy of murder charges. And she asks about the girl, Ariana. 
and to do things that he offed her and and the landlord. But the other detectives like, this is what happens when your partner reads one book about serial killers. And then they ask her, like, you know, is this this kid one? Because she's supposed to be like a, you know, whatever expert on on this. She's like, well, it's hard to say. You know, there are a number of positive factors that I'm not just not seeing. And she's like, and the nature of the crime is inconsistent with his. And the dude's like, or crimes. He's like, you know, what about the girl or the landlord? The partner's like, we've got no weapons and no bodies. She asked if he told him why they were firing a gun at Rockefeller Center. And the first dude's like, yeah, him and the girl wanted to scare someone. He says that he won't say who. And he asks what she thinks, and you know, because this is what she does. And she's like, you know, let me take a look. So she's taken to this like interrogation room, sort of, and um, you know, just like glass door and everything like that. And Danny kind of like waves to her as they're standing outside the door. Then it cuts to another day because they're like it's almost like a different room now. Rhea's standing in there. Danny's brought in. She tells the guard that like an hour should be enough. She asks, um, "How are you treating him?" And he says, "You know," she says, "She's just there to talk." And he's like, about what happened with Ariana? He's like, I know. And she's like, do you know where she is, Danny? And he's paused for a second. He's like, no. Like I told the police, I haven't seen her since what happened on the street. She's like, well, the police can't find her either. And she's like, what happened to Yitzhak, your landlord? He's like, I don't know. And she's like, if you can't tell me where they are now, can you tell me how you ended up living with them in that house? He's like, it was a rooming house. I was rooming there. She's like, Danny, I'm trying to help you. So she asked, when did he first meet Ariana and Yitzhak? He's like, junior year, high school. And she's like, can you be precise? He's like, 1977, spring, the sun was shining. I wasn't a very popular kid in school. So then it cuts to a flashback. Danny's like in the bathtub and his mom's like making breakfast. Dad calls out, he's sitting at the kitchen table. Um, he calls out to, Dan for, to Danny for something like that. And he says to mom, he's like, oh, that kid is spoiled. And then he goes, pounds on a door and he asked the mom, he's like, can you do something? You know, it's like, I'd like to take a shower. So she offers, you know, Danny finally comes out. She offers to make him a BLT that she, she, he could take with her and she'll drive him to school. So dad's like, it's like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's like a hotel and a cafeteria here. So she tells uh, Danny to, to get ready and they're leaving in five. And this, this dude just keeps going. He's like, you know, I wish I could sleep in until eight, but he's just sitting at the table reading the paper. And Danny goes, uh, open the door and the dude, like he's there outside his room. And Danny's like, I got to go. So the dude's like, you know, how come you, you know, you and me never spend any time together no more. And he's like, Hey, look at me when I'm talking to you. Okay. And he's like, what? You don't like me. And his mom calls out. She's like, let's go. I can't be late. She's like, get a move on, please. And he's like, I got to go. So then the, the dad steps like in his way and he whispers like, you don't disrespect me in this house, mister. You understand me? You, and she's like, Marlon, what the hell's going on here? And she's like, take your hands off him. Cause he's like gripping Danny's like wrist tightly. And he's like, that's so you can make me. And he's like, what? And then she tells Danny, she's like, go. And he's like, yeah, Danny go. And she just stares at him. She's like, you're pitiful. And he's like, yeah, well I'm all you've got candy. So what the fudge does that say about you? So it turns out it's not his dad. It's his stepfather. So that's why there's some tension there, I guess. So he arrives at school. This other kid, Johnny, comes up to him at his locker. Says that he's like, oh, you need some stickers in there. It's so barren in there. You know, it's, it's full on tragic. You know, it's just plain locker. Then he says, he's like, oh, you got that look again. He's like, bad days. Your a-hole stepfather. And Danny's like, God, I hate him. Johnny mentions there's a party tonight. Danny's like, are you sure we're invited? And Johnny's like, she put up flyers. The whole class is invited. So he's doing some art. It's like him and, and someone else named Adam. Because Johnny's like, oh, do you miss him? And Danny's like, yeah. You just never know when it's going to hit. So who's Adam? 
present, um, he says that it still makes him sad when he thinks about him, that he misses him. And he says with Adam, they weren't just identical on the outside. They were inseparable. So he had a twin brother. Something happened. She asks uh, if, if um, he can tell her about him. You know, does he want to talk about what happened to Adam? He's like, no. Then she's like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, you know, loss sucks. And he's like, is that your professional advice or something? But then it cuts to the past. Johnny knocks on the door of a house. And he's like, I hear music. And he tells Danny, he's like, we should go run the back. But Danny's like, but, you know, we weren't invited. But Danny asks about their friend Mike, who was at some varsity thing during the day. And Johnny's like, oh, he'll be here, whatever. And then he turns out he is there. So, so he comes up to him. He's happy to see Danny. You know, Danny asks about the basketball game and, and stuff like that. And then Danny sees some girl. So her, her name's Annabelle. And he's like smitten right away. So she's a transfer student. And, uh, you know, people are just like drinking beer from like, cans and kegs. Later, she like notices Danny, whatever. Party goes on. It starts getting dark. Danny's like standing like off on the, uh, by the trees on his own. Annabelle comes up to him and like introduces herself. And she asks if he's okay because, you know, he's out there on his own. And then um, he says that he likes his own company and she asks if he smokes and he, you know, he's like, yeah, I do. And, and you know, she's like, you want to get high? He's like, totally. Then she's like, do you have a joint? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stupid. He's like, I thought you had something. Then her friend comes up with some sparklers and she leaves. She's hands one to Danny. She's like, rain check. So then he's walking home and his stepdad's sitting in, in the car and he's like smoking. He's like, oh, it's about time. He's like, sit down. Danny like, you know, kind of looks on the street and he's like, is, is someone moving into the ghost house? And dad's uh, he's like, who are you staring at? So he tells Danny to, s- to sit with him again. And Danny's like, I got to go do, and he's like, I have homework. And then he gets mad. He's like, well, then get inside, go. So Rhea asks if that was the first time he saw Yitzhak. And he's like, yes. She's like, you didn't see Ariana that night? Um, you know, he's like, no, he didn't see her. Not then. So Rhea asks if he thinks Ariana is with him now. And he says, that, he's like, I told you. He's like, I don't know where she is. And she's like, even, you know, Yitzhak's name is exotic. You know, he seems out of place in, in his suburban neighborhood. So then he gets a, a little flash of a dude grabbing him from behind. So not really sure, you know, what, what what that was about. And Danny says that he thinks that he would be out of place in any neighborhood. So then she's like, when did he show up again? You know, what were the circumstances? He said, Danny's like, things had been pretty bad at home between his stepfather and him so he's spending more time like out of the house cuts back to the past johnny's like trying <laughs> trying to ride a bike with no hands and he's like shuffling cards because he's always doing like magic tricks or something like that he falls uh the bike the tire gets like run over by a car <laughs> and then then later he's walking with danny and then they see yitzhak and then mike comes up to him so they they comment that the ghost house got itself a ghost so mike goes closer he's like let's find out who he is so they talk to him and he's like, hello, I'm Yitzhak. And he says that he's from Israel. He's like, nice to meet you, boys. So at the present, Rhea asks him to be as precise as possible about what Yitzhak said. And Danny said that he said he was opening a boarding house. He might have had some business in the area. And she's like, what kind? And she's like, what about Ariana? He's like, I guess she was in the house. I was like, I hadn't met her yet. So there were some assaults in Elm Ridge that year. And he gets a flash of like Ariana pulling a gun or putting a gun on the floor or something like that. And there's like tears in her eyes. And Rhea's like, statistically uncommon for that area. It's, you know, still un- un- unsolved. And Danny's like, what do you want me to say? That she was off attacking people? So then Rhea doesn't answer. She's like, so what happened then? Cuts back to the past. He's, um, he says that Johnny had this idea to help him with Annabelle. So Johnny's at a drugstore, you know, looking at some handcuffs with keys, you know, in the toy aisle. He says that he saw Danny's girlfriend at the pizza place. And Mike's like, you know, it'd be easier if she knew you existed. 
you know, he's like, you should just ask her out. Danny's like, like, she won't want to go out with someone like me. And then he's like, well, didn't she ask you to get high together? And he's like, just ask her back. And Danny's like, the only problem is that I don't have any pot. Johnny's like, well, we could remedy that. He's like, girls like pot and and we like girls. So by transitive property, you know, pot likes girls or he says something like that. Mike says, uh, um, you know, that's what Mike says or something like that. Then Johnny's like, well, there's a this guy who deals out of this like old park or whatever. He's like, say we, we, we buy a lot. It's like, like $100, sell it for 150 So Johnny's idea is for Danny to get the ATM code and card from his dad, stepdad's uh, like account. They borrow the money because uh, he gets passed out drunk on Saturdays. His mom worked double shifts at the hospital. So he goes in the drawer. He finds the code, the, which I don't know why he would keep it like taped in the inside of his drawer. Um, he's looking around for a wallet. It's it's actually in his dad's back pocket. So he has to carefully. His dad like almost wakes up. Whole big tense thing. So they go. He goes to the ATM machine. He gets ca- cash. He's like startled by how loud the machine is because this is like in the early days of ATM machines, I guess. So they they get the cash. They drive to the park. They're supposed to ask for someone named Angelo, and they they get like given a hard time, you know, by a couple guys. They ask for like an ounce of pot. And this dude's like, that's a lot. And he's like, you know, he asks, he shows him some stuff or whatever. Then he pulls out a knife. He's like, what are you white boys doing here? And Mike tries reasoning and he ends up giving him like, you know, some, but he whispers to Johnny and he pulls him, you know, closer. He's like, run, bitch, run. So this whole thing is like, he's like, he was going to kill them, but he, you know, cause he takes the money, but he gives him a pop. So that's cool. They have it separated into these little like envelopes. I guess they're supposed to be dime bags. Johnny had told some girl that they had weed to move. And Danny's like, he's nuts if he thinks telling one person is going to move an ounce. He ends up selling it all in one afternoon. <laughs> Danny and, and Mike are like shocked. Annabelle comes outside and then Mike tells Danny to go talk to her. So he asks about the weekend and she says she's going to this party. And Danny's like, oh, I wasn't invited. Then um, he says, he's like, well, I have some pot. He's like, well, you know, we can get some beer and hang out. Annabelle's friend Eden, she's like, you're lying. And he's, he's like, no, he's like, I have three dime bags in my locker. He's, and then he's like, what about tonight? You know, under the bridge at seven. And she's like, yeah. And then this like jerky jock guy who bumped into Danny before comes up to him. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's acting like, I don't remember if he's, if he's Annabelle's boyfriend or Eden's boyfriend. At first I thought he was like Annabelle's boyfriend. It's like, oh crap. This guy who's always giving Danny, bumping him into him in the hall. And uh, he sees Danny just like shoves him. And he's like, what do you want? And, you know, Annabelle's like, hey. And Eden whispers, you know, as they're walking away. So it's like, oh, crap. He says that he's got three dime bags in his locker. And she's like telling this guy. So Danny is like walking. And then the principal's waiting for him. And then Danny, he tells Danny, he's like, uh, Mr. Whatever. And he's like, open your locker. And he's like, why? He's like, we've had a report that you have marijuana on school grounds. And you see Bill, the jerky guy. I think his name is Bill. He's like smiling him down the hall. And so Eden she probably she looks like you know you see even she might might actually feel bad maybe the principal's oh he, he opens locker you know danny opens locker principal searching every looking you know between books and stuff like that then he tells danny he's like empty your pockets see empties pockets and there's like nothing then he's like you can lock it back up now i was clearly working on bad information my apologies then he goes up to bill he's like mr carter he's like what the actual hell is wrong with you and he's like i'm sorry he's like shut up with me so Johnny and Mike are nearby. They're just enjoying the show. And then Johnny tells him to relax. He's like, I handled it. And Danny's he's like, what the heck happened? He's like, how come I'm not going to jail? So Mike says that he saw Bill and Eden talking after lunch and he didn't like it. So he goes like under this like heater thing in the hall and he, he takes out the, 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 the pot. So he, uh, he, and he went to his locker or whatever, because he's magic. 
so Danny goes to the bridge later and Annabelle's there. There's like this big swing by, by the bridge. So he lights up a joint and he says that he wasn't sure if she was going to actually come. And she says that he's like, you didn't have to actually get pot. And she's like, I would have hung out with you anyways. And then he just like stares at her in disbelief. And she's like, what? He's like, it just never actually occurred to me. So this whole ordeal, everything like that, just to try to get her, you know, to hang out. She takes a hit and she's like, she tells him he's cute. And he's, he's like, you're cute too. And she's like, you want to make out? And he's like, really? And she's like, well, I mean, we don't have to if you don't want to. And so, so maybe Bill was with Eden or I don't, I don't know. Or maybe he just, who knows, who cares? Then later he's, he does like a watercolor painting of, of Annabelle. He puts this big manila, manila envelope with like a joint inside. So he's waiting by her locker with it. And then Annabelle is walking down the stairs with Eden. Um, and, and she tells Eden, she's like, just talk to him. And Eden's like, what do you want me to say exactly? She's like, I don't know, just say it. And then she's like, fudge, because she sees him standing there. So then Annabelle stays back by the stairs. Eden walks up and she's like, hey, you lied about what was in your locker. He's like, no, I didn't. And then he's like, I drew this for Annabelle because she's standing back. And Eden's like, she told me to tell you last night was fun, but it's not going to work out between you two. And she says, sorry. And she just kind of looks, looks over and he finally is like, could you give this to her for me, please? And she like laughs. She's like loser. And she like knocks the envelope out of his hand. The principal happens to be nearby and the joint some happens to roll out, which I, I don't think would be possible because it'd probably be at the bottom of the envelope, whatever. And then he asks Danny, he's like, is this yours? He's like, come with me. Danny just runs. <laughs> he, he runs out the hall. He takes like the absolute longest way out of the, you know, the longest route out of the school, goes through the school, like through the gym and everything like that, runs all the way home. <laughs> and then uh, the answer machine goes off and his stepdad's calling his mom, Candy. And he's like, I hope you, you know, been my bank account because there's going to be some hell to pay. So he, he forgot to put the money back. Or I guess it was what he found out right away. He goes outside and make things worse. Bill and four friends walk up. He curses at him. He's like, you got me suspended. He's like, no, I'm going to kick your little wiry butt. So Danny runs. They chase him. It's like, okay, Bill, you're a big tough guy. You can't do this on your own. You have to bring four friends with you. So they're, they're running and running. This car kind of gets in the way. And, you know, so Danny has to stop. They catch up to him. Bill hits him. Then he knees him. And he starts kicking him. Boom, boom, boom. Kicks him three times. This other dude's like, like, that's enough. And he shoves him back. And Danny's like, like crawling back, like trying to get away. And then Bill goes to swing down. But his fist is stopped by Yitzhak. He's like, stupid boy. You shouldn't have listened to your friends. Slugs him. Headbutts him. Headbutts the second one. Um, hits uh, the other two. They call him a freak and they run. Then he looks at Danny. He tells him, he's like, pinch it. He's like, you'll have a shiner, but you're going to live. And then he just goes back to his, his gate. And you know, he like opens it up. And he like looks back. Do you want to come in? Clean yourself up? So then in the present, he says that he didn't know what to do. And so we see him. He stumbles his feet. He's like, I was scared to go back to school. I was scared to go home. And she's like, it never struck you that... As, as strange that this man just showed up to, to save you? He's like, no, no, it didn't. Not at the time. It's like, what, what does that mean? He goes inside. He's pinching his nose. He walks around, goes to the kitchen. Ariana's there. And she's like, you look like poop. And he's like, nice to meet you too. So then in the present, she's like, and Ariana, she was staying there. And he's like, she was rooming there. And Rhea's like, what was your first impressions of her? Can you remember that? He's like, it was a long time ago. Uh, it was like I'd always missed her. I just didn't know until I saw her. He's like Barney and Clyde. 
and she's like Barney. He's like, that's what Yitzhak used to call us. His stupid accent. He could never get it right. And Rhea's like, and you never went home? He's like, I guess for a while I thought I, I thought I was home. So she's like, do you think Ariana's with him now? He's like, I keep telling you, I don't know where she is. And she's like, Danny, are you willing to take the blame for this? If Ariana doesn't show up, you're very likely to you know to go to prison. So let me ask again, where is Ariana? So then there's like some quick flashes, violence, someone like grabbing her. Then he's like, like I told the police, I don't. Then she's like, what happened to Yitzhak? So there's a flashback, him pounding on someone, Danny shooting at him from behind the house. So it's like, wait, what's, what the heck? What does all this mean? So she's like, they're not the only people you know close to you to disappear, are they? And she's like, what happened to Adam? Then there's a flashback of someone driving, someone underwater, someone like letting a firefly go or whatever. And then she's like, Danny, where'd they all go? And he's like, what exactly are you accusing me of? And that's the end of the first episode. So it's like, clearly there's something more going on. Second episode, Sanctuary. This car drives up to Yitzhak's. Rhea opens the gate, so it just isn't a present. She knocks. Uh, she checks, and the door is unlocked. She's like, hello. Kitchen is pretty much a mess. There's dirty dishes and stuff like that. She goes upstairs. She sees blood in the hallway, which might have been where Danny shot. Yitzhak but it's like that didn't happen I'm kind of confused with that because after the, the Rockefeller thing Yitzhak gave him money and passports and then later he's he's upstairs I think there when the police come so I don't know when he would have shot him or if he shot someone else so she hears some noise and she keeps calling out and then there's like you know broken window downstairs she finds Danny's art book she looks through it and then she's like taking some notes at home like over it so back in the interview room she asks if, if Ariana got um, him the gun. And he's like, no, that was me. And she's like, not Ariana? He's like, no, does it matter? She's like, it could, yeah. And he's like, she's like, why? Why did I get the gun? And Rhea's like, yeah. And he's like, she needed rescuing. So Rhea's like, you needed to rescue her? Don't you find that at all ironic? And he's like, people need help sometimes. She's like, that's not the way it turned out. You know, She shot two people and now you're here all alone. Then we see this. I, they keep cutting to this. This like old like building, like wooden building, like inside. There's like water. Like the place is almost like flooded. And Danny like wakes up from like some pounding. Someone calls him, and it's like Danny, let's go. Like you know, open this door. So Yitzhak said, you know, he's a loudmouth. So it's like you know, do you want to stay here? Handle it. So Danny's stepdad and mom are outside. He opens the door. And, he, and his stepdad's like, what are you doing here? It's like, what happened to your face? He's like, just get home. He's like, you scared your mom half to death. And she's like, baby, just come home. And stepdad's like, come on, let's go. He's like, move it, mister. Yitzhak comes out. The boys stay here now. And he's like, fudge? And he's like, get off my property. I don't tell you twice. The mom tries going to Danny. And the stepdad tells her, he's like, just shut up. And he's like, let me handle this. Yitzhak walks right up to him. Don't talk to a woman that way. You're a bully. And he like pokes him hard in the chest. He's like, all bullies are cowards. He's just like to stare down. Then his stepdad's like, he wants to be here, out of our hair, good riddance, bad rubbish. She's like, let's go. She, Candy still goes up to him and he whispers like, I'm okay. He's like, I promise I'll be okay here. In the present, Rhea asks, you know, why did he stay there after the fight with Bill? And he says that he didn't know what to do. You know, he couldn't go home. And she's like, why? He's like, I guess my stepfather thought that I was trouble. You know, we were on a collision course. And she's like, what happened between the two of you? You know, what are you not telling me? I feel like, you know, my, my gut instincts, like, like, did his dad, stepdad try, like, molesting him or doing something? Because he's like, why don't we spend any time together? 
did he hit him? I don't think he hit him, but somehow Danny's like kind of scared of him. So like something happened, but we don't know what. So, you know, I guess that's something to find out. Then he's like, it, it was just time for me to move out. That's all. And she's like, okay, enter Yitzhak right when you needed him most. Almost like he'd been waiting for you. Like a coincidence? And he says that, you know, he figured he just got lucky. And she's like, have you ever gotten lucky? He's like, no, not really. So then in the past, he's out of breath or something like that. He's like upset. I, I don't know what was going on here. Because, you know, he's just like leaning against the wall. He's like just out of breath. And then Yitzhak's talking to him. It's like, I, again, my thinking the worst possible. I was thinking, it's like, did Yitzhak, was he doing something to him? But I don't think he was. Because then he has, he has home rules. He tells him, pay the rent on time. And he does school or GED, no parties in the house, no sex in the house, no drugs in the house, follow home rooms and you'll be safe from those bullies. And he's like, it's house. He's like, we say house rules. He just looks at him and he leaves. Ariana's in the kitchen, like cooking bacon. And he asks her, so this is why I don't think what something happened at that point, whatever. So he asks her, you know, why she's staying there. And she says that Yitzhak helped her out of a jam, kind of like he did with, with, uh, with, with Danny. Then she makes him a BLT, just like his, and he's like, that's really good because like his mom made him BLT too, which is a coincidence, I guess. In the present, he says that it was pretty much all she told him about her at first, anyways. Then he asks, he's like, what are you writing? And she's just like, continue. So he says that she was a night person. He'd be waking up and she'd just be coming home. And you know, she's like yelling at someone in the cars that tells him that the fudge off or whatever and he tries to ask her if she's okay and she tells him she's like fudge off and she's puts on music in a room he can he can hear that she's crying and you know because he's like can hear you know, listening from his room he says that she'd come home late you know she'd be drunk sometimes she'd hit things but usually she just cried the next day it was as nothing ever happened then he says that you know he can barely remember a time when his mom and stepdad weren't arguing in the same room with him and Ariana was different. They barely spoke. They just understood each other. And Yitzhak would come and go, but you know, he would never say where most of the time it was just him and Ari. So she asked, how long did he live there? And he's like, well, a couple years. Then um, she's like, how long exactly? He's like, well, three years all in. So she asked, what else did he do? Hobbies, trips, anything mem memorable? And he's like, no. And she's like, what did you do for money? You know, how'd you pay to rent? And he just whispers, he's like, Johnny sold a ton of weed. He's like, I would be what you would call a passive investor. So she says that the rent and utilities were paid under Yitzhak's name and always paid in cash. And he's like, he was secretive. She's like, did he ask you to do anything for him? And he's like, what kind of things? She's like, errands maybe? Is it possible you did some things that maybe you don't remember? So there's a quick flashback again to the old rickety building. No idea what that means. So he's like, do you remember everything that you've ever done? He's like, no, look, I was just living my life. Can a person just live? She's like, yeah, of course they can. So he says that he thinks that it was the only time that he was ever actually happy. And she doesn't understand why his mother and stepfather would just leave him alone for three whole years. He's like, it was only across the street. She's like, you were a kid. He's like, I was 18. And he's like, they draft kids at 18. She's like, well, that's not the point. Why would they let you go? You know, you needed a family. And he smiles. He's like, the longer I was there, the more they became my family. So there's a flashback. He goes grocery shopping. Annabelle comes up to him. And she asks, uh, he asks her how's college because she's home from summer, which is weird. Um, then she says she's sorry about what happened between them. You know, she thinks that she was just scared. Then that thing with Bill, she's like, do you know he got suspended? He's like, mm-hmm. 
then she's like, did you get kicked out? Because everyone said you did. He's like, oh, then it must be true. You know, no one argues with everyone, right? So they, you know, he just never went back to school, I guess. So she smiles. She's like, I really am sorry. She's like, I like that you were different. I mean, it made me anxious, but it was exciting. And then she's like, okay, bye. She's like, we should hang out sometime. She starts walking away. Then he's like, Friday. And she's like, hmm? He's like, I'm having some people over at my place on Friday at 8 o'clock at, at my place. She's like, you have a place? He's like, I have a place. So then she's like, okay, you just give me your address. So then outside, he runs into Johnny, and he mentions that he was thinking of having some people over. He's like, to the ghost house? I thought you said that you couldn't do that. And he's like, well, I might have just invited Annabelle. And then he says, the problem is, I don't really know many people. And Johnny's like, well, you know me and Mike. And he's like, well, I can you know, tell some people. Danny asks if he can get him some more weed. And Johnny's like, of course, you know, but that's not all I have. So later, the three are in the kitchen smoking and drinking. Johnny asks about Ariana. He's like, you know, would you ever date someone like me? And Danny's like, no, she would probably kill you. And she walks in. She's like, no, I wouldn't date you. And he's like, oop. They didn't know she was home. Danny's like, I thought you were going out. And she's like, and I thought you knew that there was, you know, no drugs in this house. Mike and Johnny is like, Danny, you didn't tell us the rules. She's like, oh, it was our idea. And so she just picks up a joint and lights it. She calls them amateurs, you know, because she rolls one better or something like that. There's some conversation, laughter. Then um, Annabelle walks in with like four or five people. And she's like, you said this was a party, right? And he's like, yeah. So the party continues. He and Annabelle end up staring at each other or whatever. Then, you know, she takes his joint, heads upstairs. They're listening to music in his room. And she's singing, dancing, you know, listening to Meatloaf. Then Eden knocks. And she's like, I'm going home. She's like, are you coming? And Annabelle's like, no. And she's like, asked Danny. She's like, is it cool if I hang out? And Eden just like shakes her head. She calls Danny an a-hole. She's like, wear a rubber. So they sit next to each other in the bed. And she like reaches into her ashtray for a joint or something like that. Ariana comes in and she's like, hey. And Danny's like, are you right? And then Ariana says, Annabelle is like, oh, she's really pretty. Um, as Annabelle's like moving to kiss Danny. But Ariana doesn't leave. And she's like, Danny, Danny, can I? And then she intercepts and she starts kissing Annabelle. And, you know, asks her if it's okay. And she's like, yes. So then Ariana tells Danny, she's like, come on. And he like shakes his head. So in the present, Ria's writing. In the past, Danny's cleaning up the next day. Annabelle comes up to him in the kitchen. She's like, last night was pretty fun. And she's like, you can kiss me. And he's like, I can. So they kiss a little bit. She's like, I have to go. So Danny's sitting on the porch reading a comic. Ariana comes out, sits next to him. And she's like, are you cool about last night? And he just nods. She's She says that she was high. She's like, you wish I, I didn't do that? Are you too exclusive or something? He's like, no, it was cool, I swear. You know, she seemed comfortable with you. And then she's like, you know, maybe you should have kissed her too. And she says that, you know, she's hungry. She's like, you want to go get a burger? He's like, just you and me? So then they they run out into the rain. It's like pouring down rain. So at a diner, uh, he's like, so you like girls, huh? And Ariana's like, what gave me away? You know, she's like, not always. So he says that he heard in her room yesterday morning. She's like, are you okay? And she says, you know, sometimes bad stuff happens. And she says, you know, something about when she was a kid, you know, he wouldn't understand. And then he's like, well, you know, whatever, you know, try me. And she's like, do you want to go see a movie? She's like, Rocky or Alien? Then in present, Rhea says it's, it's almost as if she was made to order, you know, perfect best friend for him. He's like, not quite, not quite perfect. They walk out of Rocky too because, you know, he thought Alien might be too scary. They're talking about the movie and they walk past a couple guys. One calls out to her by name and she tells Danny, just keep walking. And he like runs up to her and he's like, oh, we should hang out. He's like, why are you ignoring me? Like, you don't know me. And she just tells him, like, just fudge off. And Danny's like, who was that? And he's he's like, you know, you can't. She's like, just leave it alone, Danny. She's like, we're not going to be best fudging pals. She's like, are you kidding me? He's like, 
what are, why are you saying? And she's like, fudge off. And she just like walks away. And the president Rhea asks if he knows that he's describing someone who's profoundly unstable. He's like, you know, what was she doing at night, Danny? She's like, do you know? He's like, I didn't at the time. So then at the past, Ariana like puts on makeup to go out. She stops by Danny's room. He's sleeping. She goes to a club. She like wa- walks away through the crowd and it's like let right in, you know, so they, they clearly know her there. She goes up to the bar. This woman walks up to her and, and offers her some cocaine. And Ari's like, you know, maybe later. And um, she says, this place is nice, but the drinks are crazy expensive. And the lady's like, don't worry, I got a tab. And she asks, you know, Ariana to dance. And then she's like, I'll meet you out there. So the bartender tells her that Jerome was looking for her last night, the last two nights. And Ariana's like, oh, whatever. And she's like, let me buy you a drink, you know, uh, on Grace, the, the lady that came up to her, the, the cocaine lady. So Ariana heads out on the dance floor. They dance and, and stuff like that. Then this guy comes up to him. So she kind of like pushes him away. Then she tells Grace that she'll see her later. So she heads back to the bar. So this dude is Jerome. And she gets him a drink on Grace and asks how, how it's going. Because she, she says she has a tab. He curses her, whatever, and asks, you know, how could she just ditch him? You know, it's been four nights. And she's like, what am I, your wife now? He's like, don't play. He's like, if that's what you want, we can finish this, you know, this BS real fast. And he's like, is that what you want? She's like, no, sorry. He's like, he's like, what? You got another boyfriend? She's like, look, I got scared, okay? I'm not good at the whole feeling part. Then he asks her if, if she wants to dance. So then they go into a bathroom stall um doing stuff she doesn't seem to be fully into it i i don't know then later they're sitting on the sofa like in this other part of the bar he asks if um they can meet outside of there because you know he doesn't even know where she lives then grace comes up to her she's like hey i i thought i lost you you want a drink and jerome's like she's good and ariana's like i'd love one actually and then she uh grace is like i bet you'd like more than a drink and ariana pulls her in like the kisser and jerome's just staring at her and then when grace kind of climbs over the chair like between them jerome gets up he's like ariana stop he's like what the fudge are you doing he's like i love you you know that right and she's like get the fudge off me get off me and then they both get tossed out because they're fighting and yelling so she's like in tears and she's like, you fudge. And he's like, Ari, please don't do this. And she's like, I fudging told you. And he's like, please, I'm sorry. She's like, no. And he's like, please don't do this. She's like, walks away. She's like, sorry, Jerome. And she just runs. So in the present, Rhea asks if she told him all that. And he's like, later, yeah. And then she's like, she must have trusted you a great deal. And he's like, if, he, you know, the use of the past tense is your way of trying to catch me out. And she's like, I'm just trying to get to the truth, Danny. So in the past, Ariana walks home drinking. Some dude whistles at her, and, and she stops. She's like, what the fudge are you looking at? And she repeats herself. She's like, what are you looking at? Smashes the bottle like she's going to cut him, and then the dudes just run. They call her crazy or something like that. She takes subway, rides home, sits in a room. Danny's still sleeping. She walks in, and she's like, I need help. In the present, Rhea's like, I think we can agree that everybody that erratic can be a liability. And he's like, I never thought of her that way. And Rhea's like, she was fighting in nightclubs. Rockefeller Center was her idea, wasn't it? He's like, well, technically. She's like, is it possible, Danny, that as much as you loved her, she was already headed heading down a road where there was no coming back? No one could be blamed for thinking that she didn't have a place with you. At, you know, uh, Maybe Yitzhak decided that she, and he's like, Yitzhak would never hurt her. And she's like, if Yitzhak didn't get rid of her, then who did? He's like, what are you not telling me? What are you not telling yourself? So he like lurches up from his chair and like the guard opens the door, but she like raised her hand. She's like, it's okay. 
so Danny like stares at her because she's like, did you know? Did you do something? And he's like, like offended. So in the past, then we see the building with water. I don't know. Ariana walks down the stairs, and then Yitzhak or like someone else's body is like half in the water. So it's like, what, what, what is going on? Where, what is this place? That's the end of the second episode, and that's where we're gonna end it for this week on, on that. So like I said, next week I'll, I'll do two more. I, I have no idea what's going on, and it's 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 so it seems like it's so basic, but you know there's clearly more happening. So Apple TV Plus. Okay, now Black Mirror. So I don't I, I keep I don't think I've really talked about Black Mirror before. I don't think I talked about the last season. I thought I did, or maybe I did. I don't I don't remember. But I think I talked about the Bandersnatch Snatch episode. Anyways, so season six is here. And I think there's five episodes. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to try to. Otherwise, this is going to be a super long episode, longer than the normal. So I'm just going to kind of be brief. I'm not going to full on spoil the whole thing. Because I, I feel like, especially with this show, a lot is about the ending and kicker at the end and, and stuff like that. One of the things that I like about the show is, you know, the episodes... I love the fact that they're all standalone episodes, so you know you can watch them in any order; it doesn't matter. I also like that they're kind of like vaguely futuristic, and there's usually some sort of tech involved, you know, something like that. So it's just something that's a little bit beyond our reach, so to give it that little bit more credibility. Where normally, like, well, this couldn't happen now. Well, it could in a little bit in the near future because maybe our technology is not quite there yet. That's usually the case. Except, we'll get to that. So, we're going to do two episodes this week. I was going to do three, but like I said, I think that's just too much. So, the first, uh, season six, episode one, Joan is awful. We see this woman, Joan, she gets up, her you know phone alarm goes off, normal routine, breakfast, uh, dude's cooking. For, at first, I was like, is this her husband? He cooks, she goes off to work, she's singing in the car. She works like this kind of fancy modern office building. Uh, you know, like big open glasses and, you know, every, everything looks very hip and, and, you know, whatever. She has her own office in, inside the building. And then someone named Mac texts her and says, oh, I miss you. I'm in town. It's like, hmm, that's, I don't think that's whoever was making her breakfast. She finds out that, um, or she knows that she has to let someone go. Because uh, this lady comes in, I think her name is Sandy. Maybe not. She was, and she's like, well, what about the audio compression algorithm I'm working on? You know, because she's, and Joan is like, well, you know, the, the board's not, you know, concerned about that. And this lady's like, well, they're going to need more data servers, you know, because they're going to, you're going to leave a bigger carbon footprints and breach all the environmental pledges. And she's like, well, she just like, whatever type of thing. And she's like, I just put down a deposit in your apartment. She's like, she's like begging Joan not to do this, but there's nothing Joan can do about it. So she gets like escorted out and everything like that. Oh, and it's it's bad because she's like smoking like a she's like like a vape pen or something on this like walkway above, and she sees her being escorted out with like her box, and her like thing like actually falls and like hits her in the head, and she like ducks. Him. So later she talks to a therapist. So it turns out she's engaged with this dude, and he's great, but he's a little vanilla, and it it seems she never quite got over her ex. So she met Krish. This is her, her fiance. And, you know, he was very sweet and he was safe, but she feels like she never a actively chose this. And she feels like she's not the main character in her own story. 
then this guy Mac must be her ex because you know he asks if they can meet because he's only in town for a few days. So then she replies, "Okay, where?" So she meets Mac at a restaurant. They talk, and he says that he wants to be with her. You know, he's there for only three days, and then he's going back to San Jose. So he's like, "Come with me. You know, you can transfer to the office out there." And she's like, "I can't leave Krish," but but then she ends up like kissing Mac, and he's like, "I'm at my usual suite, and I'll be there for three days." So then she she comes home and. Uh, you know, she gives like Chris a kiss and he can taste that she's been drinking. And she's like, oh, it was a goodbye party for, you know, when we got fired. Then he's like, oh, like, oh I hope you're hungry. And um, he gives her like a taste of whatever he's making. And she's like, hmm, is that salt? Because I guess it's just like so bland and everything. They're sitting in front of TV to see what's on uh, Streamberry. So it's supposed to be like like their, their Netflix. You know, even has like a the S is like the N whatever. So they're like, "What about Sea of Tranquility?" And she's like, "Oh, Eric says it it blows." And then they're like, "What about Lock Henry, uh, the Scottish murder thing, which is actually the second episode?" And then then they're like, "No, what about?" And then there's a show called Joan is Awful, and you see Selma Hayek with like, because so so Joan has like these white streaks on her hair, kind of you know off the two like in the, the the part her hair is part of the middle, and there's like big like white streaks on the side. So Selma Hayek sitting there has like the same white streak. So it's supposed to be this new drama. And then Chris is like, oh, like, huh, she even has like, you know, your hair and she's called Joan. And he's like, oh, we're watching it. She's like, no, I don't want to watch this, but he hits play. It starts off, phone alarm goes off just like hers did. And then uh, Chris is like, that looks a lot like our bedroom. And then he's like, she's even using the same toothpaste. And then there's breakfast. Then she gets a text and he he's like, oh, this Joan is shady. So her um, assistant's boyfriend uh, her assistant's boyfriend calls him over because they're, they're watching a show too. He's like, oh, check out this new show. And then you see like the lady who got fired. Is, you know, she gets texted about the show too. She's at a bar with a friend. Mac is sitting on the toilet. He gets an alert about a new show on there. So he checks it out. So TV Joan is singing in the car just like she did. It's the same exact office building. And Joan asks Chris, she's like, how do they do all this? And she, or she's like, how did you do this? She's like, this isn't funny. And he's like, I didn't do this. And she starts like hyperventilating and like having a panic attack. So then when that lady Sandy gets fired, Joan's like, you know, because she's like, well, if not now, then when? And then she's like, I didn't say that. You know, she's making her look like a monster. And Chris is like, it's some Hayek. You know, people love her. Then uh, her mom texts her because her, her dad's seen it. And Chris is like, says he's at um she's getting on the tv that she's getting texts from mac and he asked her he's like has mac been texting you and she's like no then she's like we should turn this off and he like grabs a remote so then she's in therapy and she's like even his, his even his cooking is bland and she talks about how crazy wild and imaginative this sex was with her ex so he gets up and leaves and he starts like packing a bag and she's like i didn't say that to my therapist he's like then what did you say so he starts walking out and then he he sees a part like where Joan is kissing Mac at, at the restaurant, but it's it's a lot longer. And then so he just leaves. The assistant sees a part where Joan is about to um, watch Joan is awful, but it's now it's like Kate Blanchett is playing her. So it's like we have another the TV Joan is about to watch Joan is awful, and it's instead of Selma Hayek, Selma Hayek's about to watch. And is seeing Kate Blanchett. So it's just like three different Jones. Outside, Joan tells Chris, you know, none of this is real. I mean, she hasn't seen Mac in so long. Then he's like, then show me your phone. And she's like, what? She's like, it's it's in the house. And he's like, that's convenient. And he drives off. So the real Mac texts her 
and and then she like throws her phone after the episode um it ends when tv chris leaves so she goes to work the next day it's like kind of awkward then her assistant goes into her office like you broke the nda with that carbon footprint thing when you fired sandy and the board wants her out because so because it was shown on tv they're blaming her that the tv show somehow got that so then she's watching the episode later. She she goes to talk to her her lawyer. So legally, Streamberry can do this because she agreed to giving up the rights in a user agreement. They have like this big stack. She's like, I never signed that. They're like, no, but you accepted it. No one ever prints it out and stuff like that. So it kind of goes goes from there. And you know, she goes to, to try to talk to Mac. You know, like what's going on, and and it it turns out that they basically by the user agreement. They're, they made a show off of her life. There's nothing she can do about it. She tries, you know, talking to a lawyer and, and that doesn't work. And and then she decides, you know, because they're, they're like, well, you know, Selma Hayek is, is doing this. And she's like, well, she gets the idea of like, well, what if she does something like really horrible? You know, Selma Hayek's not going to want to do that. Because it turns out it... it so the, the kicker is the, the way they can do this so quickly. Now I feel like I'm, I'm spoiling more than, than I in, intended is... It's not even really Selma Hayek doing this. It's it's all computer generated. So that's just where the technology at this world, this point is. So basically, they're they're taking all this info. They Selma Hayek had licensed her face and I guess her voice to Streamberry, so that they can use it in whatever way uh, that you know they they want. So they're making this show based off of this and the lawyer even says was like oh you're talking about like foot deodorizers and you know you're talking about then all of a sudden you go on your phone and there's an ad for foot deodorizer they're saying that's how they're basically doing the show so it kind of goes from there and, and um, she kind of does something really extreme to, to try to get some of Hayek's attention and then you know it's like how can we stop all this and it, it goes from there so it was a, it was a really good episode um, like you know, the, it, it continues from there. That that's like maybe like half the episode or something like that. There's there's a lot more that, that goes on, and uh, so it was just it was it was a neat idea, neat and scary that you know how they're doing this, and you know because they were planning on unleashing like other awful like shows with other people like tailored content, but it, it's just scary. So this is why you know there's always lessons in these these episodes. Not always, but often there's there's lessons in these. So that's the thing. When you whenever you sign the user agreements, no one ever reads that. And and for a while, I would sometimes like in early days, I would kind of like skim through it and look at. It. I'm like, what am I saying okay to? And you know, I I remember even on Instagram, there's like there was people were like, oh, I'm going to delete Instagram because you're you're giving them the right to your images. Like once you post it, they own it. So then they could do whatever they want. They can make ads using your, your pictures. And, and other people were like, no, that's not what it says. And But it's like, what are you a- actually agreeing to? And you never know it with stuff like that. And then there's a whole thing. It's like, well, is your microphone on the whole time? You know, are people actually listening? And, you know, there's been stuff like where your Alexa or your Siri... And I'm I'm looking around to see. Uh, I've changed the name to my Alexa. My my Alexa is an Alexa, and uh, I th- guess my Siri must be turned off. But the the idea, whether you have a Google Home or whatever, all these smart home devices, where it's like technically the microphones are on the whole time. And we've seen other shows about this. There's even that one with a what's her name? Um, it was an HBO movie, and it wasn't that great, but where things are constantly recording and it, it's supposedly you get to what i'm saying 
So um, I'm not going to continue for that because I'm, I'm going to. So it was a good episode. That was the first episode. Episode two, 602, season six, episode two, Locke Henry. Uh, this was um, what I, so I feel like this episode kind of breaks the rules a little bit because this one doesn't fully go into the digital aspect. There's a kind of a stretch connection it's just it's barely like totally grasping at straws the only reason i like this because i you know i have a fondness for scotland you know i've only been there once in 2015 it's so long ago place is amazing it's so gorgeous oh man i immediately fell in love with this it's i cannot um just put describe the way it looks and i know there's like you know other places in the world like that too but there's something just truly amazing about scotland and it's just you know, just the hills and and everything like that. So that was really nice to see, you know, because it, it starts off, you see this car driving on this little, like, oh, it's almost like a one-lane road, beautiful Scotland Highlands. This kid's driving, you know, Davis, he's driving to his, his mom's. He's with Pia, his girlfriend. And uh, so I mean, it's not a big deal, but his girlfriend's black. So there could be some, like, potential, uh, not really racism, but, like, when his mom first sees her, you can see that she's maybe slightly put off a little bit, but it's not even that, that big of a deal. There's a couple other little minor things that are, that are kind of alluded to. But they, they get there, and um, she's also, she's from the United States. You know, she has a U.S. accent, so I don't know if that's, like, an issue with, with moms, you know, wanting their kids, whatever. So it, they say that they're there for a couple nights. They're making a film. And uh, about this one dude who like watches eggs that are getting stolen or something like that, and the mom's like kind of like oh really? And and Pia's like you know he was like a vigilante because she's like oh if someone like me was you know because she's black was stealing eggs they'd be but you know the, the someone would do something about it. The mom kind of cuts her off saying like oh you know the police are just overworked and it's not an easy job because it turns out that we we find out earlier I, I kind of skipped this where um, Davis's dad was a police officer and because there was like a picture of him in like a, a uniform in, in the living room or whatever. So like later in the bedroom, she's kind of like kicking herself because she's like, I, you know, I saw a picture of your dad in uniform and then I'm bad mouthing the police. He's like, oh no, that's fine. He's like, you know, my mom likes you and, and you know, she just misses, you know, my, my dad. And she's like, do you? And there's like a pause. He's like, well, in theory, he's like, I was eight when he died. So, you know, most of my life he was, it was, he was just in photographs. And then she sees like this old video camera. She's like, oh, does that work? So she like picks it up and there's no, no videotape inside. And then she's like, here, you know, and she, I guess she wants, I don't know what the point of this, but she's like, oh, pretend like you're using it type of thing. And then she starts like doing stuff or whatever. So there's like, at first I was like, is it going to magically record something? <laughs> no, there's, there's no like strange, crazy tech with the camera. It's just a regular camera it has nothing to do with anything. Next day. She like tries going on Twitter. There's no internet. So again, no tech or anything there. She sees a bunch of videotapes like on a shelf called Burger Rack. And she's like, what's Burger Rack? And he's like, oh, it's an old detective show, but it's called Bergerock or something like that. And he's like, you know, my mom had a crush on the, you know, the main actor or something like that. Then she, she says something. She's like, I don't want to you know, think about your mom getting wet over some guy's butt. And then her mom comes in. She's like, well, he did have a nice, you know, behind or something like that. So she put her foot in her mouth again. <laughs> I mean, it's just so awkward that her mom actually heard her say that. They're like, okay, we're heading out. And she just like walks out, like, like can't even look at her. So they go off. They're, um, they look at the lock or whatever in the mountains. And she's like, this place is so gorgeous. She's like, how is there no one around here? And they go to the town, small little town. They go into this like lockside inn. And then the bartender glares at him. 
And he's like, Davis, whatever. He's like, I told you never to come in here again. You can write back out that door now. And he's like, hello, Stuart. And Stuart starts laughing. So they're actually friends. So they talk. It turns out Stuart's dad just sits upstairs. He comes down to fill his drink every once in a while. Um, and Pia's like, is he depressed? And Stuart's like, yeah. He's like, you know, there used to be three pubs. He's like, now we're the last man standing. Uh, but it, So imagine like a Scottish accent saying all this stuff. Pia says that she's like, I don't understand. She's like, it's so beautiful. How are you, know, how are you not overrun by tourists? And Stuart's like, because of Ian Adair. And she's like, who's that? And Stuart's like surprised, like, you know, Davis didn't tell her. And so Davis, like, he was a guy who lived up at you know, this one farm on the hill with his mom and dad. People said he was quiet. He's, you know, he easily led. He's not too bright, all of that, you know, and really he was just a local guy. Stuart's like, but in reality, he tortured and killed people. Davis like, I was building up to that. And Stuart's like, yeah, you know, it took too long. And Stuart says something about, about Davis's dad like that. Then he's like, let me tell the story, for, you know, from the beginning. So it cuts in 1997, and you see like kind of like TV footage. Maybe that's supposed to be the tech part. This couple came for their honeymoon. They were there for about a week. Stuart's dad said that they drank there a couple nights. When the week's over, the cleaner goes to the cottage to clean it for the next booking. Their car is still parked outside. All their stuff's in there. There's no sign of them. They're just gone. So Davis's dad's called in, knocks on doors, no sign of the couple. After a day or two, it becomes this big story. This place is swarming with journalists. Weeks go by, there's no sign, and then Princess Diana died, so the papers moved on to that. The story just fizzled out, you know, it's finished. So she stares at him until one day, and then Davis is like, one night, Ian Adair is drinking in there, and she's like, in here? And Stuart's like, yeah, he sat right there, you know, in the corner. He's like, always at that table. So Davis is like, on this night, he's had way more than usual. People say he was talking weird, you know, he's making a nuisance of himself, and there's a poster of a missing couple on the wall. He even makes comments about the girl. So Stuart's dad tells Ian that he's barred. And Ian tells him to fudge off. He's like, I got half a mind to come back and shoot the place up. But then his dad's like worried because Ian's a, a farmer and he's got a shotgun. Stuart's dad asks Davis's dad to go ch- check on him and have a word with him. And, you know, Davis continues. So dad drives up to the farm you know, and we see it's night and it's raining. Knocks on the door and he says he just wants to talk to him. Ian doesn't answer. He walks back to his car when Ian opened the windows upstairs, like shoots him. And Pia's shocked. She's like, wait, he shot your dad? And and Davis is like, not fatally. He's like in the shoulder. It was bad though. And you know, he's like crawling back to the car. He calls her back up when from inside the house, and then nothing. So backup arrives, they go in. Ian Adair shot his mom and dad, then himself. While they were looking around the farm, they checked the cellar. And behind this wardrobe, there's this hidden door leading to a bunker. Inside, it's like a torture room. We see like there's like a sofa, there's like weapons, hammers, ropes, all this stuff. So this guy had been um, abducting people, keeping them down there and doing God knows what for weeks at a time. And then burying the bodies out in the fields. So the honeymoon couple and the rest. She's like, the rest? So Davis mentions that, you know, walking around this area can be dangerous. You know, there's deep waters. You can take a wrong turn, etc. You know, like someone rents a kayak, doesn't come back. So over the years, no one was really, you know, toting it up, as they said. You know, and she's like, how many are we talking about? And you're like, eight, all been tortured. And Stuart, you know, says, he's like, and the rest of it, dark sex things, like real extreme stuff. And Davis cuts in, it's like, you know, cuts him off. He's like, so that was Ina Dare. And Stewart says, you know, as you can imagine, it doesn't really look good on TripAdvisor. So Pia mentions, but his dad survived because he said it wasn't bad. 
Davis said that he was in hospital for a couple of weeks. Then he got um, MRSA, which was like a bacteria bug or something like that. So it killed him over time. So as far as his mom's concerned, Ian Adair killed that too. And Stuart goes to get more beer. And Pia asked Davis, like, can we go see where it happened? So they go over to the farm and she's like, it's perfect. And she's like, you don't see it? And he's like, see what? And she's like, can we get in there? He's like, is this, this is what our film should be about. All of this, you know, quaint little village. And this guy, you know, is operating Hannibal Lecter ring. And he's like, you said that you love the other idea. She's like, I said, I kind of liked it. Just like, I kind of like plain pasta. It'll do in a pinch. And so, so you know, a tr- true crime doc on Ian Adair. She's like, we can pitch it to the production company who will, f- who will fund it. And he's like, people already know the story. She's like, well, I didn't. And he's like, it's it's not a whodunit. You know, she, she's like, like, no, the mystery is how could someone do that poop? And he's like, it's not the kind of stuff that I want to make. And she says, it's the stuff that people want to see. And she's like, if you don't want to make it, I will. And and he's like, but Ian Adair, you know, shot my dad. So it, it kind of goes from there. And, uh, you know, because they talked to Stuart, he loves the idea. And, you know, he says it could bring in tourists. Davis um, finally says, okay. Uh, Stuart has this curiosity box from his mom because she was like really into it. She had, you know, re- recording all this stuff. And, and Pia's like, she won't mind if we, you know, borrow this. And he's like, no, she's been dead for four years. So basically, I think this is the, the tech angle is because they have to capture footage from the videotapes to, you know, whatever. So Stuart's dad's angered that they're, they're, they bring this up and um, it, it just, it kind of goes from there. But there is there's a pretty big kicker there's a, a twist you know and all this stuff like that but like i said there's no real technology the only thing is is the videotapes so i guess that's the only connection but this doesn't feel like futuristic like tech there's no like no weird thing or anything like that so it's it's a good episode it's a good story and there's a, a nice twist to it where you know maybe you see it coming maybe you don't but there's, it didn't have that black mirror vibe, which was just kind of weird. But other than that, it, it was, uh, it was good. And hey, they also mentioned like Streamberry uh, again. So it, it was, like I said, it was a good episode. Just didn't feel like a black mirror episode. But other than that, that's, I feel like I'm just nitpicking. Next week, um, I, I don't know if I'll, I think maybe I'll just do two more because I think three is going to be too much. Like, I don't even know. Uh, how long I, I spent on these two episodes, but I'm going to try to do them briefer like that instead of doing like, then this person said this, this person, this, and I always wonder if sometimes my recaps are too much, but I'm doing it in case you don't have the time, you know, you're driving to work or whatever you're in your you know, you can hear, you can find out what's happening. You can keep up with it and close your eyes and pretend you're there. But with this, you know, that's your tease. So hopefully you'll want to actually check out the episodes. All right. And now the movie feature is the flash. So this is interesting. I you know, looked a little bit at like some of the reactions to it. I think it's like at a 67, 65 or 67% on rotten tomatoes. I really liked it. Uh, you know, just seeing some comments here and there, some people are complaining about the CG and Andy uh, Muschietti had said that the CG was supposed to look a little shaky at times because you're supposed to be seeing it the way the Flash sees it, whatever, like looking through water or whatever. Um, it didn't really bother me, and which is it's interesting about that, you know, because the same thing where people complaining about, you know, Ant Man or Quantumania, and I didn't really 
let that bother me. I didn't really, you know, I, I, I like looking at the detail and everything, but I think sometimes I just get like sucked into this, the story. I, I'm, I'm there to be entertained and I, I'm not, maybe because I'm not there to nitpick over and I'm not necessarily people are nitpicking, but I'm not there to critique every little tiny detail, even though that's kind of my job, whatever. I want to look at it more as, is this a movie that I can have fun with? I'm not trying to say like, you know, I'm not going to write up this review and be like, oh, and then this happened. This shouldn't be right. And movies shouldn't do this because that, that's just a bunch of crap. You know what it comes down to, which is why I'm so glad. This is why I don't write up movie reviews. You know, I, I could do that, but I, you know, I, I would get more, more views for my website, but I just, I, I don't know. To me, that really takes the fun out of it where I, I don't think that that's what it's about. So the extent of what I'll do is I'll, I'll write a, like a, a Twitter review and the limited character, 144 characters, whatever you, you have. That's enough for me. Cause it's just, did I enjoy it or not? You know, is, is it a good movie? That that's all I care about. So, and even like with, with, uh, across the spider verse, you know, people are complaining about the sound and I didn't really notice that, that they apparently fixed whatever issues were, but I, I feel like sometimes people get too wrapped up into it and, and you know, not everyone, you know, I'm, I'm not saying people don't have a right to complain about it, but sometimes I, I feel like some people are just complaining to, I don't know, just to, comp- not necessarily just complaining to complain, but maybe it gives them a sense of importance to, to look down, you know, or think, think of all the people complaining about the, the Marvel movies. It's, it's almost like they're trying to knock them down a peg because the Marvel movies are so successful. They may not be the best things ever, but they are entertaining. They make a buttload of money. I feel like sometimes people are, I don't know, not jealous of that. I don't know what, what it is. So with um, The Flash, this is also weird, weird um situation because of the whole Ezra Miller fiasco. So Ezra Miller obviously has had their share of, of mishaps. You know, there, there's just been a, a lot of crazy things. And this is where it's always the, the question of how do you separate the art from the artist? As, as far as, as an actor, you know, I can't say that I've seen them in a whole lot of movies. Cause I, there was, there was something, was it perks of a wallflower, whatever that one, were they in that? Uh, they were fine in the, the, the Fantastic Beasts movies. I just, those movies just bored me, even though I love Harry Potter. I don't know what it is about those movies that just make me not care. And I think when I rewatched one of them, I, I think the performance was, was pretty strong and like emotional and everything like that. So I think that there's some range there. I wasn't super crazy about Barry Allen's character in BVS. Was, was that where we saw him, right? Because uh, I, I, to me, I feel like that doesn't really feel like Barry Allen. It's almost like, are you trying to write, are you c- like combining Barry Allen and Wally West? Because, you know, Barry Allen is more straight-laced and not as jokey, it always seems like. And I feel like that happens a lot. Like, even like recent com- comic writers have done the same thing where they're using Wally West but or they're using Barry. They they've used Barry, but he's written more like Wally. And I'm like, this just this, this isn't you know what, Barry Allen wore a bow tie, and he was like always you know straight laced you know the, the police forensic dude, whatever. It's multiverse, different interpretations. That's all fine. So um, and then also the fact that you know we've had uh, Grant Gustin 
doing a really good job as as Barry Allen for nine seasons on, on the CW. CW show is not the best written thing either, but you know the, the character we we came to know the character. So it's also interesting seeing this movie based off this character that I think a lot of people know about. You know, just from the Flash TV show, we get a, you know a bit of of the of the origin, which is a little different than the, the, the CW origin. You know, there's no reverse flash involved, which, which is good, you know, keep things, um, that we know of at least, you know, keep, keep things less complicated, but it, I, I feel like they, they do a good job. And aside from, you know, like, I don't know why Ezra Miller knocked the lady down or choked her down. You know, what was she saying something to them or would that, you know, not, not that it would ever be okay. Did she do anything to them? Did they, she push or was it just him just like being unhinged and doing this? The stuff breaking in the house. It was like grand larceny because he stole like a bottle of alcohol or something like that. And did he know these people or was it random? And I just, I don't understand what's going on. And, you know, there's, there's always more to the whole story we don't know. And it's, it's always the thing is like, you know, you don't want to support someone who's not a good person, but we don't know the full story. And... It's always weird because then a lot of people are like, like, oh, Warner Brothers should fire Ezra Miller because of this court stuff and the impossible this or that. And I, I'm so torn with this because, again, you know, I don't want to support someone who's not a good person. But I, I kind of look at it whereas, you know, have, have they has the person done anything on set? Have they ever acted inappropriate at at, you know whatever um if not then what they do in their personal life shouldn't necessarily affect and i i get if you're representing a bigger company and all that you don't associate all that but i i, I don't know it's it's you know i i look at it as like being a teacher you know there are certain expectations I, i'm supposed to have and I'm, I'm i'm trying to think like what could be something that would be inappropriate you know, like even I, I, I don't really do anything. <laughs> Thankfully, that's inappropriate. It would be like you know, because it would be like okay, I you know I got a bunch of tattoos on my arm, and I think things are a little more open, accepting with that. But it, it feels like you know, when I first started teaching, if I had all these tattoos, I may, I probably still would have gotten my job. But I see that's not a really good example. I don't know what what, I, what I'm trying to say is like let's say. Uh, I, I feel I feel like I need to pause to, to to think about something, but even like okay, let's say like your political views, you know, you could have support this or this that or whatever. But w- as long as you you don't you know because like when you're teaching, you shouldn't talk about religion, you know, like your, your personal beliefs. And I would always joke with the kids, you know, because they would be like, "What are you? What do you celebrate? You know, what do you you know this like that?" And I I'd be like. I would be, I would say, well, I don't want to tell you like my beliefs because obviously whatever I believe in is the truth because I know everything. And if it didn't align with what you believe, it could shatter your whole beliefs. You know, I'm being sarcastic, but you know, you don't. And even when it comes, you know, who do you vote for? What do you believe? You know, I feel like you you shouldn't take a stance on, on that. And even like the fact that I don't eat meat, uh, I, I don't feel like. It's really my plan. I, I obviously I, I do mention that, and I, you know, maybe this is the best thing, but I don't want to like preach to the kids, even though this is a, an important thing. I let them know that I don't eat meat, that I, I don't think it's it's cool, uh, you know, I don't think it's humane. 
But at the same time, I'm not there to preach to them like, oh, the ethical reasons, you know, that that's not, even though it's something that I believe in, it's not something that I have the right to, I'm, just, I'm on such a tangent. So what will you do? If you look at that, the performance here, how long did I spend talking about that? Oh my goodness. Um, Ezra Miller does a good job in this movie. I, I, I'm way more impressed here than what we've seen before. And, you know, you, you come to accept the characters is kind of, kind of a goof. And I, I think what really helped me embrace this version of the character more is the fact that, and now I'm jumping ahead a little bit, is that we have two different versions of Barry Allen. You know, because Barry Allen obviously is going to go back in time to try to fix things. As you may or may not know, Barry Allen's mom gets killed when he's a kid. And his dad gets framed, you know, not in this frame, but they, they believe that his dad is responsible because there, there's no other evidence aside from that. So this is what how Barry lived his whole life, just like in the TV show. So when Barry goes back in time, he runs into his younger self, who this is a like a 18 year old version of Barry Allen, who has had a mom you know, for 18 years. He's a little more reckless or goofy or like a flaky. That causes adult Barry, who he calls an old man. He's like, what are you, 40? This causes the, the, our regular present day Barry to have to kind of step up a little, be a little more responsible, even though he's a goofball in his own sense. So I, I think that really helped to make you like the character a little more. And then plus just a whole tragedy of losing your mom and just, I mean, it's, it's like, it's heartbreaking at times when, when, you know, you, the different moments and, and stuff like that. So I, I think that that really works to sell the character for me. Cause seeing like the, the Snyder cut of the, of justice league, I'm trying to think maybe that's, I'm getting my, my movies. It's been so long since I've watched them because I just don't care to watch them. But even like the, the longer version of Snyder, cut, I just, I wasn't really sold on, on, on the character so much. I'm just like, okay, whatever. You know, it's Ezra Miller. That's it's fine. I had nothing against him playing the role. I just, there was nothing that really stood out and made me care. This movie, it's a little different. So I, I just really, I, I really liked who the character was. And, and the other thing, just go, going in, in, in terms of the movie, what's impressive, it, it kind of kicks off the action right away. It, it's, it starts out, you know, Barry has to go get breakfast at, at like a coffee shop or whatever. And then Batman or Alfred calls him into, you know, he has, needs his help and he needs him to take care of some stuff while he goes after, you know, some dude. And the action is, is pretty big. It's pretty crazy. I think that they do a, a really amazing job. And this is where writing for someone like The Flash can be super tricky and I, I feel like a lot of times certain things are just ignored about the aspect, the abilities that that someone with that you know power has, because it just seems like it would be so easy to defeat everyone. Because if you can move that fast, that you know how can anyone have a chance? So there's like a huge disaster stuff, and you see Barry just like just doing like the impossible. It's almost like time stops so when we see things from like his perspective and and maybe that's where the, the people are complaining about the effects because there there's some stuff which i'll just say there's like some babies and when i was watching movie i remember i was like are we are these real babies or are these dolls so maybe that's what they're talking about that it was meant to be a little muddled a little muddy 
I, I don't know because that, that that was 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 a little bad. Um, but it didn't it didn't bother me because it, I thought it was kind of cool, like the, the way he was doing certain things. So we we have all that, and you know we get Ben Affleck Batman, which is cool. Then um, Barry, you know, decides to change the past. We get all that, and. It just, it, even though we, we've, you know, for comic book readers have seen this story before, I, I feel like they they did a really good job making it their own. And, you know, there, there are some familiar beats, but it's just a whole idea. And this is a whole thing that, that made me question, like, Flashpoint, where how could Barry saving his mom affect, like, the Green Lantern Corps and Sinestro, like, way out in space? How could there be, like, butterfly ripple effects that go way over there. That's like the other thing. So I don't think that necessarily, you know, and I don't know if anyone's really talked about this. So Barry going back to save his mom, I don't think that there, there's necessarily ripple effects. Maybe it was that he went into a different, you know, dimension. You know, our, maybe we're, we are talking multiverse. Because, you know, the traditional Marvel theory of time travel, which I feel like they've they've kind of moved away from which kind of bothers me like the whole uh when brian michael bendis had the young x-men come to the present i was like that that can't happen it's always been that if you go back in time you're actually creating an alternate reality where you know it's it's branching off because that didn't happen so you know you can't change time time is like is is locked in so i don't know what necessarily i mean i i feel I say I don't I don't know what the answer is. I don't think the fact that Barry goes back and saves his mom somehow causes Michael Keaton to become Batman or be the Batman. I think and again, spoiler, it's not really a spoiler, you know he's in the movie. I I just don't that, how could that happen? It just it does not seem possible. Either like all oh, this is like this is what happens to Superman and blah blah and what you know, why is Zod coming early and, and all this. So I feel like he didn't necessarily change time, but it, it's got to be more of a multiverse thing, even though I don't feel like they're really leaning to that. That's my my idea. Seeing Michael Keaton, um, I was, I mean, I, I have respect for Michael Keaton, Batman. You know, I, I, I thought he did a good job. I still remember when it first came out, I'm like, this is Mr. Mom. It's like, how is Mr. Mom going to be Batman. Yeah, he just wasn't how I envisioned him. You know, he he could play the Bruce Wayne part, but he wasn't like overly muscular. Which you know, no, no offense to him, you know, he just it was like a normal guy. But there's just something about it, and seeing him back, hearing the music. I mean, it it was not. I don't. I don't know necessarily that I got emotional or, but it there, there was. I, I mean, I think no. I think I actually did get a little emotional seeing that. It, and even though you know you see Michael Keaton on screen for a little bit, but then it's like once you finally see Batman, it is just like, like like you know catching your breath. It's just like oh my gosh, it's like, there he is. And I didn't realize how much I actually missed the idea of of Michael. Ke- I don't know what it is. I mean, whether it's a nostalgia thing or not, but it was just it kind of caught me off guard. Even though you see him in the the, the TV teasers and trailers, you know you see him there, um, and even the part where he's like I'm Batman. You know, you see that they they spoil that in the trailer, but seeing it in the movie, building up to it, you know what's coming. There's just something really really cool about that. So I thought they did a, a good job w- with with that. And then um, 
uh, Zod being back, that was fine. You know, and you know, Michael Shannon has complained that it was like a nothing role that, you know, didn't really involve anything. It's like, okay, whatever. That's, that's fine. I mean, you got paid. I'm something. I'm sure that that's, it was good. He was important, you know, not crucial, but it was, it was a good role, you know, hook for the movie. Um, and then, uh, the whole part about, uh, Sasha Kaye for as Supergirl, I, I, I wish we saw more of her. There, there is something about her, and the part that that I th- I think is really cool. Where and you see this in one of the, the trailers because she asks Barry, she's like, "Why did you save me?" And he's like, "Because you needed to be saved. You needed help." So I I think that that was like that's a really important part. Is you know he he's a hero. You know, he didn't know who she was or, you know, where, what she was capable of. And, you know, is she going to help them? Is she going to try to kill them or anything like that? He just, one day they find her, he saw that she needed help. And that was the right thing to do, you know, regardless of, is it the best idea or not? So I, I really like that, that part of the movie when, when he says that. So I, I just think that she was really cool. And I, I wish we got to see more. I, I feel like, whatever soup the supergirl movie we get i feel like they're they're not going to go with her to the, and and again this is where i kind of sound like a hypocrite because i i feel like you know supergirl should be blonde you know she should be a white blonde character because that's what she is in the comics but i i would be totally down to see more of of sasha kai because i i think she was really cool I, I just loved her version of the character. You know, Melissa Benoist, she was great as Supergirl on, on, on TV. Helen Slater was 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 great for what she had to work with in the script. But I, I really like this version. And if we're I think the reason why I'm not necessarily as much as a hypocrite as, as I'm thinking or I may sound, but the fact that if you think of this as the multiverse, as a different version of Kara, I'm t- sold hundred percent. I'm totally down with that because i i just think that she just did such a such a really good job for you know however small we saw her i would love to see more and you know there there was like that sense of vulnerability but then there's 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 like massive like butt kicking and i i just think it was really cool and i i wish like i said i wish we could see see more of that so overall the movie i i think it was good and you know there there is some fan service there's at the end you know you get a lot and i don't really want to spoil um you know we 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 get a lot of you you may have heard some stuff we we get a lot of cameos and this and that everything like that there was one in particular that that got me super emotional when when i saw it and i was just like holy crap um if you know me and if you've seen the movie maybe you know what i'm talking about but i think it was you know it's totally not necessary like all this stuff but i, I thought it was cool and there were, there's another cameo i'm just like holy crap i cannot believe that they actually did that that they actually went there i think that that is freaking amazing that they did that i think it's it's hilarious and i i just i think it's so incredibly awesome <laughs> that they did it so i i enjoyed all that stuff and and whatever, I mean, I know some people said it was too much. You know, people are talking about that, that it's almost too much. It's almost overpowering, whatever. I thought it was just really cool. And I, I thought it just added to 
just the, the the feel of the movie that again it, it's this idea of the multiverse that you know we we i feel like multiverse is being used so much in like everything recently but that's just how it is and you know it, it's a big it's been a big part of the comics you know for forever uh, not forever but for the longest time so that's just how it goes it just happens to be coincidentally that a lot of people are embracing that and using that so that that's fine i just i i really enjoyed the movie you know, part of me, it's like, I wish we had this. This is the movie we got 10 years ago. I feel like I don't, I, it's, it's not pretentious like man of steel or, you know, BVS or whatever, you know, we don't, even though there's, there's, I don't even think there's, I mean, there's just kind of slow motion parts, but when you're Barry's going through time, but it's just, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be all hoity toity or whatever. And, and maybe because there's more jokes and I know sometimes jokes can be too much, but I feel like it was the right amount of, of, of jokes. It wasn't too much. It, it was like a, a decent appropriate amount. So I, I just think that they, they did a, a really good job with it. And um, even though, like I said, this is a story that we've seen so many times. You know, if you read Flashpoint, if you watched a Flashpoint animated movie, you know, it's like we've seen this so many times, and it's been on, on the, the Flash TV show. Even though all that, so we have technically three different versions of this story already out there, and so now this is the the fourth, uh, right? We've got comics, animated movie, CW, and this. Yeah, so four different versions of this story. Basically, I still enjoyed it. And I, I would still like if, if someone said, hey, do you want to go see The Flash? I would be like, um, give me five minutes to wrap this up and I'll, I'll go with you and, and check it out. I mean, I would definitely see it again. And this is a movie that I will definitely buy when it's released on, on 4K Ultra HD, you know, Blu-ray. The last recent DC movies. like So this is kind of how I feel. I don't buy like every single movie that comes out. I can't. You know, there's just too many. I did not buy Black Adam. I didn't even buy the Shazam movies, even though I, I like those. Um, I don't think I own the first Shazam ones, but I'm, I'm tempted. I just never got those. But like the Snyder Cut release, I was like, no, no, I'm not going to get that. I I don't care to watch those movies again. Uh, it's just I, I've seen them uh, two or three times for various reasons. You know, I watched them again, did a secret podcast episode on Justice League and then watching the Snyder Cut the four hour monstrosity of, of that. It was just way too long. I, I just think that this this was was good and I, I, things could continue from here because you know the, it's almost like sky's the limit now you know who who knows where where this this leads to and it's not that, like this was purposely setting up the next thing you know whatever James Gunn has planned could have absolutely nothing to do with this or they they could try to build off of this you know we don't know and it doesn't matter um, oh there was another cameo at the beginning that I mentioned it was cool to see and so I'm, I'm glad that that was there and 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 so forth. So overall, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Whether other people and and like James Gunn said, you don't need to know anything really about you know to, to go into this. You, I, I feel like this is very new viewer friendly. You know, you don't have to have seen the other movies. I feel like it explains it. You know, it it help. I mean, it'll enhance your your viewing. And again, knowing Michael Keaton was Batman, you know that that, that I feel like that adds a little more to the nostalgia, the importance of it, but. It's it's just I think they just did a really good job where it's it's connected to the others but it's not like crucial that you have seen all those but it, it will enhance it some more so that's 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 it, I guess all I had to say I enjoyed it I think you should, is best movie of the year no best superhero movie ever no but I I really enjoyed it best DC movie that I've seen 
in a long time. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it again. And on that, I look forward to doing this all over again next week. <laughs> so big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, last week I did a, a sup- Superman is a Jerk um, episode off of 1968 comic. I might do that again this week. I, I might dig out another um, old Superman comic from the six, you know, Silver Age one. They're all just wacky, and I, I think those stories are just so bizarre. They're so much fun. So maybe I'll do that. We'll, we'll see. Um, sometimes I'll talk about movies and do, and do more off-my-mind topics. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. What is on the slate for next week? So we'll have uh, one more episode of Silo. Going to do, like as I mentioned, two episodes of Crowded Room. Going to try to do at least two episodes of Black Mirror. Um, Extraction 2 is out Um Maybe I'm going to try to watch that. And I don't know if I'm actually going to go make it to the theater this week. So the only thing that's really coming out, you know, Elemental came out, you know, this this past weekend. I'm just, I'm not like super gung-ho to see it. So I don't know about that. And then uh, this week is Asteroid City. I'm really curious. You know, there's there's a, a lot of people in this cast. I'm just not, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm not super excited about it because I, I feel like, I feel like it, it could go either way. I mean, Wes Anderson, you know, he's he's a brilliant director, but if I'm being 100% honest, I don't necessarily always love his movies. You know, I like I said, I have deep respect for, for what the production is, but sometimes it's it's a bit much. I'm trying to think like what was his last movie that had again a really big cast, and I, I thought it was a fine movie. You know, is it too too cerebral for me? I don't know. Um, I am really curious to see this. This looks like it could be fun, and you know, I, I love Scarlett Johansson, and you know, I, I, there's so many other people. I will definitely see it. I just don't think I don't I don't know if I one, and I don't know if I want to pay to see it. You know, the in a theater because you know I, I've spent so much money on, on on movies, so I think what might be the main feature, you know, so if I I could do Extraction as a movie feature, but I think the main feature is actually going to be Secret Invasion, and I think I could be wrong. I don't know if there's only going to be one episode of that dropping, which would be amazing if, if they they did that. So I'm looking up IMDb, and according to IMDb, this could be totally wrong. It's saying only one episode is dropping on the 21st, and then the second episode is on the 28th. So we'll see if that stays the same or not. And um, yeah, it's because I'm really ex- excited for that. So that might make things a little easier for me to read all the comics and to you know watch all these these TV shows. Because then Superman and Lois is on again this week also. So that so with Superman, Lois, Silo, and then two crowded rooms. Um, two more black mirrors. We're talking like six episodes there. So that that's a lot for me to watch. And that's going to be a lot to talk about. We'll see. All right. Um, on that, and if, if you're, if you're super interested in asteroid city, let me know like ASAP, but 
maybe I, I would I would could talk about it like on a secret podcast episode at, at some point. You know, who knows? So that's going to be it for this week. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. If you're um, involved with summer vacation stuff, I don't know if you're on break from school or if you're working still. Sorry, but um, I hope you're finding time to enjoy the weather if the weather is nice. I hope you're finding time to do some fun things. And I hope you always remember to be good to each other. 